This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Howdy. Welcome back to Victory Drive, everyone. I hope everyone had just a splendid New Year's and uh, everyone's getting their New Year's started off to a glorious start. Um, This week... We have on Hunter Hook. It's Hunter Hook. It's spelt weird, but it's pronounced Hook, I guess. He, that's what he says. Um, those Southerners down there, they have troubles uh, uh, spelling and enunciating sometimes, but he says Hunter Hook. And his buddy, Taylor DeLay, they came on, talked about uh, their season last year. Hunter had an absolute fucking banger of a season. One of dreams, he killed elk, he killed fucking mule deer, he killed gators, he killed whitetails. I mean, my gosh, he he went through it all. It was, in, it was an insane season, and it was an absolute blast to sit down and talk with him about all of that and get into some southern hunting stuff and just some of the other wild adventures he's been on and will continue to have. And uh, his buddy Taylor was with them for the most part. Uh, he came in a little bit late in the podcast and when he comes in, we get ourselves into a bit of a, a menage a trois, if you will, with two other dudes. That sounds really gay, I know. But, uh, uh, yeah, so we have a threesome on the podcast, and uh, we talk uh, about their seasons. And Taylor, like I said, good friend of Hunter. Uh, they actually met, I, if I believe, I, they talk about on this podcast. I'm having trouble remembering something stupid. Uh, but I think they met at like uh, one of the WCB shoots or something like that and hooked up. Or maybe is in the is actually in the group. I think the working class bow hunters Facebook group or something like that. But uh, pretty cool. Made a really good friendship there, and they're just continuing on, get, having some really cool adventures together. And uh, it was fun sitting down talking with those guys. Man, I'll tell you what, I fucking love having Southerners on. Those motherfuckers can talk, and it is great. It is super easy to do my job when uh, guests can talk, and these guys can talk, and it's great. It's it? awesome very entertaining uh episode here uh, i really hope everyone enjoys it um yeah that's pretty much about it 
I don't want to give too much away. We talk a lot about guns and stuff too and hog hunting and all sorts of different shit. You guys will enjoy it. It's a long one. It's a nice long episode for you guys. Um, yeah, let's see here. Uh, let's get kicked off. 2024 kicked off here. Uh, I should probably get with Kurt and get some of these codes, make sure that they're the same this year as they were last year. But I'll just read them off the way they are. All righty then. Here we go. Mountain Ops. Code Victory for 20% off. I'm, I know that's the same still. So you guys want to get some Mountain Ops some supplements or some gear, apparel, whatever you want. Mountain Ops. Code Victory. 20% off. Let us go ahead and feed the hungry, too. They're doing Operation Conquer Hunger still. The boys over at WCB, they're still trying to get, I think, 100,000 meals or something like that donated through their platform. Their code is code WCB. If you want to use that, too, and uh, whatever, we're all in this together. It's a big team effort here. Uh, do, 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 Grizzly Coolers. Grizzly Coolers. Let's talk about, actually, I am going to talk about something that I have no experience with, but it's a something that I do really, really want someday. Uh, Grizzly box blinds. Uh, I've, I've stood in them at the shows when they have them set up there. They look absolutely astonishing. I would say probably the Cadillac of hunting box blinds. And someday I will have one. And someday I will have a spot for one. I think I might have a spot that they might let us in there, but I don't own my own property. So it's really just permission pieces. But Grizzly Coolers... Grizzly box blinds, they are, in my opinion, the leaders of the hard side coolers. They make absolutely great products. You want to save yourself some coin, use code WCB for 15% off. That is code WCB for 15% off. All right, and we also are still booking African hunts uh, August 26th through September 3rd. Oh, shit. We sh- I uh, need to look something up real quick. Give me... A second, I'm going to look up, actually we have a, God bless, I, I'm so unprepared here, I should fucking know. Alright, and I'm back. Um, shit, I'm very unprepared, but I just remembered, African hunts, we have the African clinic coming up in Fort Madison, Iowa. That is going to be January 27th, so if you guys aren't busy, come on out, see us, January 27th in Fort Madison, Iowa, we're going to do a whole big, um, fun little get down out there. It's a fun little get together. And we talk about Africa, what it's like to hunt in Africa and get you guys signed up for, to get out to Africa as well. Um, Stuart's going to be there. I'm pretty sure Nathan's going to, Nathan Regal's going to be there. I think, uh, Sam Gaylord's going to be there. All everyone from WCB, myself, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's a fun little clinic we're putting on to talk about South Africa, but also to, uh, just another chance to get together and kind of get trade show season kicked off, really. Uh, we, all, we we are going to be at ATA the January 11th through the 13th as well. So kind of gets trade show season started up. Uh, I'll be at, honestly, a lot of these trade shows next year. So if you guys get out to any of the trade shows, whether it's, um, you know, uh, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, I'll pretty sure I'll be at all of those. We'll get dates out to you guys as it gets a little bit closer as well. Um, but really, uh, if you guys want to get to Africa too, if you can't make it to the clinic, that's not an end all be all. We will have some good pricing at the clinic, but if you want to get out to Africa, just message me on Instagram. God dang it. 
message me on Instagram and, uh, or Facebook or email me at victordrivepod at gmail.com and we'll get you guys set up. It's going to be a great time. Africa is the shit. You guys are going to love it. It's gun or bow. And uh, Wyoming Bear Camp, May 27th through the 31st, is pretty much booked up. Um, so if you guys are really interested in Bear Camp, I will take you guys down and we can start booking for next year. But I'm pretty, it's, it's looking like it's getting pretty full. I might be able to squeeze one or two more people in there, but it's pretty fucking full. So uh, if you guys are interested in Bear Camp, you can still let me know and we'll get something going. All right. And Huntworth, code WCB15. All this hunting would be very uncomfortable if you're naked, especially in late season, which I'm getting into right now. It's been going on right now, but the weather has been kind of shit. You could probably hunt naked lately because it's been so fucking warm. But uh, if you don't want to hunt naked, then get yourself some Huntworth, all right? It's great, awesome um, camo, in my opinion. Uh, Tarnin is right now my favorite, hands down. It's, in my opinion, the best pattern in the game, and their clothing is legit super comfortable very very warm shit too the thing is i talked to some people and they're like oh well it's really not that much cheaper than like sitka but they're looking at like the durham pants like the light pants and compare them to whatever sitka's fucking light pants are and they're like oh it's really not that much more expensive or that much cheaper it's like well you're looking at the the bare minimum there you got to look at the the heavy shit. Look at the Huntworth bibs and compare those to some of those other uh, more expensive brands. And I'm telling you, the quality is on point. You're the biggest thing is I feel like Huntworth just they're, they're just not overpricing their shit. Like people, especially hunters, they have a bad bad habit of looking at gear and being like, oh well, this costs more, so it should be. It's got to be better, right? I mean, yeah, theoretically that's the way it should work. But you grab some Huntworth gear. You put it on, you wear it around and outside in the field. I'm telling you, <laughs> it keeps me fucking warm. And I would much rather spend like less than half the price on a pair of bibs. You know, my opinion, if it's going to keep me warm, it's going to do the fucking job and it looks cool. So, um, use code WCB 15 to save you some, save yourself some money on Huntworth. All right. And, uh, with that said on to the episode guys. Thank you all for listening, and if you guys want to, do me a huge solid, and get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're at, and leave me a five-star rating, if you will. That would be fucking amazing. It really does help out. All that stuff helps out. Um, interact with me on like posts, on social posts. I don't care what you say. You can say whatever you want. Call, say Jake and this menage a of fucking guests on this podcast they're all gay like i don't care whatever uh whatever gets your rocks rolling if that is even a term um but go ahead and interact with me on instagram facebook all that shit uh, i love seeing the comments i might not get to every single comment but i try to and uh if you want to leave me a like a five-star rating on whatever you're listening to this podcast on that would be so greatly appreciated i really do appreciate it. i want to Going into this next year, I really didn't want to do like some giveaways and stuff like that too. Uh, going forward, so 2024 is going to be a big, big year. Got a lot of shit planned. Going to be very, very busy, but that's the best way to be, in my opinion. We're going to go go into 2024 with the fucking pedal to the metal. So I hope you guys are there with me, enjoying every second of it. All right, on to the episode. Not going to hold you guys up any longer. Please 
Uh, what am I trying to say here? Ah, please welcome Hunter Hook and Taylor Delay. Hunter, how are you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Good. We've been kind of talking back and forth uh, throughout your season. Man, you've had a hell of a season this year. Yes, sir. This has been insane, the amount of tags that I drew and the luck I had on them. I was super blessed this year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get into all that, though, you want to go ahead and uh, give us like a backstory on you, like where you're from and all that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I live in LJ, Georgia. It's uh, the extreme north part of Georgia in the mountains. Um, we've got some steep, nasty stuff, not huge stuff, you know, like out in the Rockies, but uh, some really, really wicked terrain to uh, traverse. But uh, I've always hunted down in South Georgia, North Georgia, everywhere. Um, we, uh, Me and my dad grew up hunting together. He's who got me into it. But uh, also a fishing guide and uh, also do HVAC work. I'm hoping... One of these days to just fish completely full time, but uh, right now I'm about three days a week fishing and three days a week doing HVAC. <laughs> Jeez, busy dude. Wide open. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's the way to go, though. I, I've said it a few times on this podcast too that you know it's like we only got one trip around on on Earth here, so might as well make the best of it and keep pedal the metal and have at it, dude. Because at the end of the day, it's like you know you got to make the best of what you got. That's right. Yeah. yeah, sounds like you're doing that. So that's awesome, dude. That's why I love <laughs> love talking to guys like you that are just making the most of every day. You know, it's awesome. It's good to hear. It's very motivating. Yeah, I've, I've never been one that just wants to hang out inside and watch football or something like that. I want to get out and do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, football's great. You know, and you need that you need that time to kind of relax a little bit and refit every once in a while. But yeah, I mean, I never really understood the. I never really understood. Got like people just getting so wrapped up in kind of uh stuff that I don't know, <laughs> I almost feel like a yeah. dick saying it, but you know, like football, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't, I mean, it's just, this is me personally, I don't get it because it doesn't add any value to my life like hunting does, you know. So, yeah, I'm the exact same way. I don't understand how people can get so tore out of frame out of uh. A game that uh, they don't even – they never even met the players. <laughs> right, <laughs> Nothing yeah. to do with them. <laughs> you literally have zero control of what happens on the football field that someone else is playing. You know, and, and it, to watch a game get so wrapped up in, into it that uh, you get – it, like, affects you. Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the game being played affects you even though you have zero control over what happens. Yeah, I had a, a coworker one time. He was that way, and – if it didn't go the way he wanted it to go, his team lost or whatever. Man, he was honestly just a dick the rest of the week. The whole week, he just treated everybody like garbage. And I'm like, man, it's a stupid game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. I don't know. And don't get me wrong. I do like to watch football. Like, I'm in a fantasy league and stuff. But, you know, if, I don't 
I don't, I don't think I've ever watched a full game of football. I, I sit down and I'll take, you know, 10, 15 minutes out of my life to watch the highlights of certain games. That's yeah. about it. You know, that's about it. I was really into like UFC and stuff and MMA. I was into that for quite a while, but that's because at the time, at that time in my life, that's what I wanted, wanted to do. You know, I was training okay. a lot. And I was, I got into wrestling here in, in my town and I started doing all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to be a motherfucking UFC fighter, dude. This is going to be great. And, uh, <laughs> you know, then life just took me down a tr- different path. But ever since then, I try to, I, I keep up with it a little bit. But it's at the end of the day, it's, I'm not going to, you know, uh, f- I, can't, I guess schedule my life around um, sporting events like that. Yes. Yeah. That's one thing about Sunday evening football. All my friends. None of them want to go hunt because they're watching football. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I won't do that. <laughs> if, it, it's, if it's hunting season, there ain't much that's going to pull me off of that besides, like, really pertinent family duties, you know. But Yep, still got this for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My wife and I, we got in, into it a few years ago a little bit. Um, nothing too crazy. Just is me being, I guess, moderately selfish. Where I'm like, fuck, you know. Like, I'll just come, I'll just be at Christmas, like, pretty late. It's not a big deal. And she's like, not having that. All right. Yeah, duly noted. Bigger, huh? <laughs> yeah, duly noted. Christmas, be there. Okay. Got it. <laughs> That's really about it, though. Literally, she's been great with um, the hunting seasons and all that stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I'm actually divorced. My, uh, my ex-wife did not make it through the second hunting season. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll do it. You know, I, I yeah. was I was married and divorced before as well, so you know I get it. Mine was a little bit different matters as army shit, and then you know whatever. But it just you know something sometimes things just don't work out, and yep. you don't it it might not feel like it at the time where it's like man that sucks kind of deal, but then life goes on, and you know you change and keep growing as a person and you look back and you're like, you know what? It really was for the better. <laughs> you know, oh, no doubt. And I'm, and I'm glad it happened. Only, uh, I think we was married like a year and a half, something like that. Didn't have no kids or anything like that. It was all went smooth. So I was thankful it happened then and not 15 years down the road. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know I have, uh, some friends that have just been, you know, they spent a uh, significant time, significant amount of time with the person, you know, have a whole family, then she, you know, shit just unravels, and it's like that's pretty unfortunate when you're spending, like, you know, fifteen, twenty years with a person, and it's just like you realize like we're not actually a very good match. You know, it's like yeah, that's tough. Ugh, that's rough. And my dad, he told me, it, um, I don't know if they, I don't know what kind of if they're in like, counseling or something, or they're doing something. I think it's something with my oldest sister. They're doing, anyways. They, they were talking to this lady. She was super smart, but, um, they were talking about marriage and stuff. And my dad, he broke it down like this, like, um, it, like your marriage with your wife is like a triangle, right? So you're, you're at one end of the bottom side of the triangle. She's at the other end. So you're at the farthest parts away. Right. And when you put God, I don't know if you're how religious you are or something, but if you put God at the top, right at the top of the triangle and you guys are both trying to get closer to God, then that inadvertently brings you both together as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. my, uh, that's literally the same analogy that my dad has always said. And they've been married 
30 something years. They got married when my mom was 17. So he did something right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's always, I, I think about that quite a bit, you know, it's like, that's pretty cool, but yeah, I don't know. Enough of that stuff, I guess. So you're, fr- so you're in the <laughs> Northwoods of Georgia. Um, yep. but you're also efficient. So are you, forgive my ignorance. It, are you close to the ocean then? No, I, uh, I'm probably about five and a half hours from the ocean. Uh, I do, uh, lake trips, you know, on reservoirs. We fish for stripers, bass, uh, walleye, stuff like that. Okay. So that's where most of your, most of your fishing guide life comes from is on the, some reservoirs and lakes and stuff. Yep. Yep. I fish Lake Lanier. It's, uh, Really big lake, biggest lake in Georgia, over around Gainesville. Uh, Carter's is our, our local lake. I fish it, Blue Ridge, uh, just all the local lakes that are within an hour and a half of me. Okay, and what what is the, is it? Savannah that's close to the ocean. Is that yes? There? Okay, that, okay, yep. So I know a little bit about about Georgia. I guess I went to the, my extent of Georgia experiences has just been through uh, basic and AIT as an infantryman, going to Fort Benning and stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's actually where the name of this uh, show came from. I don't know if I've explained that on the podcast yet, but some people caught on to it before and messaged me about it. But Victory Drive is actually the road just outside of Fort Benning. And, okay. And it's like full of uh, strip clubs and divorce lawyers and liquor stores <laughs> and tattoo parlors. So. <laughs> Everything a military guy needs. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing says I'm on I'm I live near an army base. Like, you know, one shop is strip club. The next one's a liquor store and the next one's a divorce lawyer. So there you go. You got the traffic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure there's a, there's a barber shop or two on there too. So <laughs> yeah, you get but, your haircut. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a running joke. Like, um, the drill sergeants would always say, you know, Hey, don't go to victory. Don't go to victory drive because most of the businesses on victory drive were blacklisted by the military anyways. So like, don't go to victory drive and get a venereal disease, you know, like VD victory drive, (laughs) venereal disease. So it all kind of intertwines together. So (laughs) yeah, it sounds like a place right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I was thinking of a podcast name. I can't really think of much. I thought of remember victory drive from my time in base. I'm like, that's, That'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah, that, that worked out awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah my, you know, my last name being Hook, um, it, it's it's spelled H O E K, but it's pronounced Hook. Uh, my ancestors didn't know how to spell, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my fishing charter business is called Captain Hook Fishing Adventures, so it oh, was easy dude. to come up with a name for that. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking badass. I'm just Jacob Johnson, probably the most milk toast white person name ever. So it's like, <laughs> I could just be like Jacob Johnson's podcast or like, you know, there's nothing clever about it. It's just Jacob Johnson. You know? <laughs> yeah. OJJs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought about doing the flying J, but my God, that's already taken by the truck stop. So I probably can't do that. And you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, but uh, let's go ahead and break down. You, what do you want to talk about first? I mean, you had a very busy season, so yeah. Uh, do you just kind of want to go in the order that it happened? Um, well, start with the elk. Yeah, I'll start with the. Let's probably start with the elk because you said uh, that was one that Taylor was not. So like, he wasn't on that hunt with you, was he? No, he was no. not. Okay, so let's uh, go ahead and go through that. I'm sure he's heard the story a million times already, hasn't yeah. he? So yeah. 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 He's going to go with us next year. He's, he's ready for that. <laughs> oh, perfect, dude. 
Well, yeah. Okay. Let's, so, let's start there. Yeah. Like how, how many years have you gone elk hunting before this? I have been elk hunting four times now. So three years in a row. Um, and then we missed one year. The first elk hunt I ever went to was Wyoming. It was, uh, my dad took me out there on a guided trip. Um, it was, it was not a very good experience. We, we got burnt pretty bad by that outfitter. Uh, we, uh, we pretty much just was a scouting mission. We found out, um, every time we would find a good bull, we couldn't go back in there the next day. And we're like, why is this guy not letting us go back in on these bulls? You know, well, come to find out, uh, he had used our, you know, you can kind of like carpool your points out there and do a party apply. Okay. That way yeah. everybody can get the tag. Um, he had some other clients get in on the pool with us. And they were all able to get tags off of our points, basically. Mm. Uh, come, to, come to find out, they were really good friends with them. And all the bulls that me and my group found, every one of them got killed as soon as we left by his buddies that came into camp. <sighs> so that was a that was a tough experience. Um, it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth for outfitters. But uh, I did. I had a really good outfitted hunt this year that we'll go into later. And that kind of revamped. I'm like, okay, there is some good guys out here. You just got to really find them. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But, I, I don't think I've ever heard <laughs> that from. I've heard like, kind of bad stories from outfitters, like, "Oh yeah, like guy came, he came out and he, you know, left me at the airport or something stupid like that, you know." But then he came, got me, and we. Uh, I've heard like little minor um, complaints, but nothing like that. That's an, that's pretty fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, it was bad. He actually, uh, I don't think he is in business anymore. He didn't last much longer after that. He used to I'm be a pretty sure. good guy, is sure what other that. people talk. But he just kind of his business kind of fell apart. But I mean, so, I, uh, I'd think so. That's uh, pretty dirty. And you, in, in the hunting community, I feel like you can only get away with stuff like that for so long before word of mouth starts spreading. It's like this guy sucks. So yeah, it, uh, it, anything in the service industry too, you know, word mm-hmm. of mouth is is what matters. Oh yeah. But uh, we. It was like 2019 when we hunted that. We missed a year, um, and then we, me and Dad went snow skiing uh, one year out in Colorado, and we're like, man, let's just come out here over the counter on public land and just try to kill a bull with a bow. And we were planning it. We had picked out a unit uh, that we were going to hunt, and one of his friends that he's been friend with forever, he's a builder up here, and Dad had done some HVAC work for him in the past, stuff like that. He's like, yeah, I go out there every year. We got to talking to him about it. Um, I go out there every year. Y'all can just come out there with me. And, okay, cool. So we got a group together, went uh, kind of northern Colorado area, uh, and we're camping on the truck. So we're right on the side of the road, just truck camping, walking in just a couple miles a day, really hunting right off the side of a dirt road, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year out there, my dad killed a cow elk. I think it was the third day of the hunt, something like that. And that evening, I walked down the same area that he had killed that cow at, and I really just went about 100 yards past uh, where, you know, the remains of his cow was laying because there were so many elk down there using that area. Uh, Set up, made like a little ground blind, and just started calling, Um, just kind of doing like a slow play thing. I was raking a tree, bugling, doing Mm -hmm. some cow calls, stuff like that. Were, were you going were you in there kind of during the the, the elk peak rut kind of situation or uh this was the first week of september oh okay. um 
everything that I've heard, they say peak rut is, you know, more like the 20th through the 28th of September mm-hmm. from stuff I've read, stuff like that. Um, but we've had really, really good success out there bugling bulls in that first couple weeks of September. Mm. Um, the tough thing about Colorado, I believe it's the third week in September. It's right in the middle of the archery season. Um, they have a, a muzzleloader hunt come in. Oh, yeah. And once they once everybody starts running around with the muzzleloaders, they kind of shut up bugling, and it's tough to get on them. Mm-hmm. So we always want to go early before everybody's messed with them. But I went down there past that cow, uh, started that call and sequence, sat down, and I hear a stick break, and I look up, and there's this bull, you know, first first bull I've seen up close in the wild. You know, I'd seen some two or 300 yards out, but this thing is 18 yards coming through a thicket. <laughs> And I am freaking out. You know, I'm hiding behind this tree. I get my bow up. He gets, I think he was eight yards when I got to draw on him. Jeez. Um, Yeah, he was on top of me. His really thick, dark timber that we hunt there. So once you see them, they are in bow range, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gets behind this real bushy tree that uh, it didn't really have any limbs about waist uh, uh, down, but his head was up behind those trees. So I said, that's right there is where I'm going to draw. And I went to draw my bow back, and I didn't realize it, but hiking around in that thick stuff, I tore all the felt off of my arrow rest. Oh. And you know how you know how loud that carbon to metal sliding across is? Yeah. So I drew that, drew that bow back, and it just, and, you know, he's eight yards standing there. So he put his head, I'll never forget, he put his head up under that tree, and his tines were hitting all the limbs on it. And I could just see him staring at me. And you know how when an animal sees you, a deer, elk, whatever, their eyes get real big. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm busted. (laughs) He turned and whirled out of there. And it sounded like he was tearing the world down getting out of there. Uh, So that was my my first year in Colorado. Um, I was tickled that I went out there on public land and called in a bull. You know, that mm -hmm. close, almost got it done. It just didn't happen. So I didn't kill that year. Uh, the year after, we went back out in the same spot, and uh, opening day. Real, real quick, um, was he, I don't want to open up old wounds, but how big was he? Uh, yeah, that's a bad old wound. I'd say he's pro- <laughs> he was probably 270-ish. Okay. Uh, he was a six by six. I'd say he probably scored around 270. Fuck. Uh, which is, you know, that's a pretty respectable bull. That's a um, very respectable bull, I think. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was heartbroken for a year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, dude. That that's rough. Yeah, I was uh, not a happy camper. I couldn't eat that night. I was sick. I just went and laid down <laughs> in my tent and fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I totally get it, dude. <laughs> yeah, but uh, next year, um, same exact area. Literally within half a mile of uh, where that fiasco went down, um, I'd called in a uh, six by five opening morning for my dad. Uh, we had actually heard them bugling from camp early that morning, so we just waited on it to get daylight and walked down there to them. Uh, we probably chased him around for about two miles when we got close enough where I felt like I could call him in. And he came in, it was on a string. Uh, I was doing a a lot of really aggressive bugles with him because he had cows and he really didn't want to leave those cows. But, uh, so I was just, I was pouring the paint to him. I was giving him everything I had. I was growling, chuckling, everything that I could do. And finally he broke and screamed at us real loud and he just ran. He covered, I don't know, 150 yards, just 
you know, in split second. Those things can really do some traveling when they want to. Oh, yeah. But I called him in 20 yards broadside for my dad. I didn't have no cover, so I'm literally laying down under a log, sticking my bugle tube up above it, calling this bull in. <laughs> and so my eyes are barely peeking over this log, and he's coming for me, you know. And I'm like, Dad, he's 20 yards broadside. And that bull gets about 10 or 15 yards from me, and I'm like, if he don't shoot, this bull is going to run me over. He's going <laughs> to step on me. <laughs> but uh, Dad shot, and sadly he hit a limb, and the arrow deflected way over his back. He ran off. Oh, no. So was, yeah, he was, he was pretty upset about that. But uh, I followed that bull around the rest of the day. I figured out where he was bedding. Um, the next morning... I went and got up above where he was at, but the wind was wrong, so I really just kind of stood there and kind of guarded that area, making sure nobody else came in there, you know? Mm -hmm. Hopefully, if they saw me, they'd, you know, turn around and go somewhere else. But uh, that evening, the wind was still kind of iffy, but the heat of the day, you know, my thermals were pulling up the mountain, and he's straight down the mountain from me. So I decided to grab my tree saddle, and I'm like, the wind every now and then is blowing towards him but my thermals are going straight up. If I can get 15 feet up in a tree, I was hoping that my scent was going to stay over him the whole time. So I climbed up in my saddle, uh, got everything set, picked up my bugle tube. So I bugled at him. Real, real quick. So you're packing around a saddle and platform and shit and sticks this whole time? I, I had it at camp. Um, okay. I ran back to camp, grabbed it, and ran back, uh, huh. just using a little two-panel saddle with a platform and three sticks. That's really interesting. I don't think anyone that I've ever talked to has been like, you don't want to take out elk hunting with me? A saddle. You know? like <laughs> Even if it just sits in the truck, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that has done that has been elk hunting. They're like, packing list. Don't forget my saddle. You know? <laughs> don't forget the saddle. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, okay. The white-tail white -tail guy coming out in me. Right? Um, <laughs> So I went and grabbed my saddle, climbed up in the tree, uh, bugled back and forth with him for probably about 10 minutes. And he finally, he, you can really tell their tones of their bugle. Like at first, he's just kind of like, yeah, I'm over here, you're over here. And the the more aggressive I got, the more chuckling and growling I was doing, you could tell he was starting to get worked up too. He was mm -hmm. probably about 300 yards from me. Uh, of course, we couldn't see him because it's really thick, dark timber. But the way I was looking on the map, there was a nice little uh, aspen thicket with some tall grass, and we'd actually found some beds in there the year before. So I think that whole herd was bedded right there, and it was about 300 yards. But uh, finally, I could tell that he was up and moving around when he was bugling, and he was kind of coming my way, but it was almost like he was zigzagging back and forth coming up the mountain. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so we would back and forth for another 10 or 15 minutes and then he went silent for i don't know probably two minutes and then all of a sudden he screamed on his own and he's like 80 to 90 yards probably and i'm like oh boy he is here it is time <laughs> so i gave him one more challenge bugle i tried to cut him off the best i could and chuckled at him and then he chuckled one more time and he just i mean the rest was history he come up that mountain his cows were with him he was actually taking his antlers and throwing the cows up the hill. Uh, I guess mm. he wanted to go, didn't want to leave his cows, so he was being pretty rough on them, pushing them up the mountain. <laughs> but uh, he came, I shot him at 12 yards broadside, pretty much right under my tree. Um, 
double lunged him. He went 300 yards. I was ecstatic. That that was my first bull. He was a six by five. He scored like 240. Damn. Um, that's still, I mean, that's still uh, a good representation of an elk though. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what I, you know, I'm not real big on scores with the uh, elk just because it's so far away. If it looks like an elk, I'm going to shoot it. You know, yep. he's got, if, you know, if it, if it looks like an elk, he, he's going down. <laughs> I probably yep. want to shoot a little raghorn or something, but I was tickled with him. No, that's so awesome. We packed out, get him back to camp. Uh, I think we finished that night around 1 a.m. Uh, you know, it was a pretty good pack job. Those things are heavy. <laughs> yeah, they're heavy. They're, there's a lot, a lot to them. There's <laughs> a lot yeah. of... A lot of meat to pack out. That's insane. Did you debone them completely before you packed them out, or did you take them like quarters at a time? I just did quarters. Yeah. Um, we were only about really and truly half a mile from a gravel road that we could get some four wheelers to. Oh, so okay. It was a pretty short pack job, but uh, you know it's still a still a lot of weight on your back. I think our packs were around ninety pounds of meat. We did it mm-hmm. in two trips. Me and Dad did, and mm-hmm. uh, we also had one other guy there on the first trip that helped us pack out. Yeah, dude, that's but, that's uh, badass. Do it from the saddle too. That's that's pretty cocky, honestly. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. I uh, <laughs> was never done a whole lot of ground hunting until I started going out there, and this year I actually did a lot of ground hunting. So I was I was worried about trying to get something in bow range standing on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to this year. This is the same area, but the problem was they had some really bad winters out there. Uh, mm. This past year, and a lot of the elk and mule deer died, is what all the locals told me. So we were we were having a hard time finding elk. Um, the third day of the hunt, my dad, same exact spot I killed the bull the year before, actually. He walked in at like 4 p.m., um, left camp, walked up there. He said he got 300 yards into the woods, and he seen a cow coming up the mountain. Uh, and it was it was tough enough hunt, and there wasn't near the sign as we normally see there. So that cow came broadside at 15 yards, and she whacked, he whacked her. Nice. So he, he got he got the elk meat secured pretty quickly. Um, but that was that was the only other elk that anybody had seen. And I think we hunted four or five more days, and I decided to uh, move probably 15 miles. We just jumped in the truck, went and checked out a different area. Um, so we're walking in blind through this uh, really bad burnt area. Uh, it's probably a four-year-old burn, I think, is what Onyx said. So you had that really tall grass up to your knees, you know, mm. but all the trees were uh, in pretty bad shape. Most of them had already died, and they were about to start falling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get up here to the top of this mountain. We've seen one set of elk tracks, and you could tell it was a bull. They're a little bit bigger tracks than the cows, you know. So I said, well, we've only got about an hour till dark. We'll just hang out here and do some calling and see what happens. Um did a few bugles, did some cow call, just kind of a slow play deal. Uh, you know, raked a tree with a stick, that kind of thing. And it's, I don't know, 15 minutes till dark at this point. So we get up and we're going to make our way back down to the truck. But there's this real big cliff that we're right beside. And you could really see a long ways off of that cliff. Um, so I decided to walk over there to it and let out one more bugle for the night just to see if we could locate one for the next day. I walked over there and bugled, and there's this little finger ridge to my right about 300 yards away. After I bugled, I looked over there, and I seen a bull stand up out of the grass and look my way from that bugle. And I was like, oh, Dad, you know, look, there's an elk over there. So he gets up and kind of 
just meanders around right there and gets behind some thick stuff where we couldn't see. And uh, Dad's like, try cow calling at him, you know, see if that'll bring it in. And I, I, I've never called in an elk using cow calls, so mm-hmm. I was, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. So I just decided to give him the nastiest challenge bugle and chuckle that I could. And when I, when I did that, I, we seen his horn stick up behind uh, that thick stuff he was in. And he he never bugled or chuckled. He made this weird, it was almost like a bark, but wasn't really. It was almost like the very beginning of a chuckle, but that's all he did. It was just a roar, you know. Mm-hmm. And he as soon as he did that, he ran 300 yards, and uh, I shot him broadside at 16 yards. Whoa. So, yeah, he was Jeez. coming in. <laughs> I, 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 I shot him fairly well. Um, I took out both of his lungs, but I was a little bit further back than I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the arrow goes off, you know, I see the light and knock disappear. I'm like, oh, I think that's pretty good, but that may be a little bit back into the guts. You know, we wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. But he ran down in the hole below me, and I could actually see him. And, you know, we've got like six minutes of legal shooting light left, and he just stands there, and he's looking around. You know, and I'm like, I, I know I smoked him. You know, he's he's got to be hurting whether he's going to die, you know, within a few minutes or not. So I get on my binoculars, and I look, and he has just got blood pouring out of both sides of his body and his mouth. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I've got, got to have touched a lung then. And you, you could tell he wasn't real healthy, but he was still standing there postured up like he was ready to fight. And I'm like, what is this bull doing? <laughs> and I keep I keep checking the time. It's been about five minutes go by, and we're really getting right there on legal light, you know? Uh-huh. So I said, I, I think I'm going to sneak down there and try to po- put another one in him. You know, if he's still standing, I'm going to try to get another arrow in him. Mm-hmm. So I snuck down there to about 60 or 70 yards, um, got behind this tree, and when I poked out to see him, he was bedded down at this point. So I got a range, put a knock on my arrow, and right as I drew my bow back, he uh, he was laid down in his bed, you know, just naturally. He turned a flip. I don't know if he was trying to get up or what, but he, he turned a flip and let out a bugle and then laid his head over, and he was done. So I didn't have to shoot him that second time. Oh, no kidding. He bugled and then died? Yeah. He bugled right before he died. Whoa, was, dude. I'd heard him bugle all day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. I don't, I've never heard that either. That's nuts. Yeah, it was it was strange. He was uh he was a smaller five by five. I just did a European mount on him, mm-hmm. but uh, I was extremely happy. As tough as that year was, I was very happy to get some milk made in the freezer. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And honestly, dude, um, I. I'm a huge fan of the Euro mounts. Honestly, I think they look great, and especially with an elk. If you shoot like a, like you're saying a, a smaller elk like that or something like that, or just something that you don't, I don't, maybe you just don't have the money for a shoulder mount too. I don't know, but uh, I like Euro yeah, mounts a lot, honestly. Huh? It takes the biggest thing is the room for the shoulder mounts. Oh yeah, you've got to have some serious wall space, you know, and you dedicate yourself <laughs> to that. Yep. <laughs> Yep. No, I'm if I ever get an elk, I'll probably shoulder mount the first one, and then the subsequent ones after that would have to be like pretty substantial because I just I think Euro mounted elk and especially they just look super cool. That's kind of how I'm treating like Africa and stuff too. Is um, you know 
I'm going to go out there. I, man, I don't know. Your, your mounts just, in my opinion, they just look really cool. The contrast from the bleach white skull and the horns or antlers, it's like pretty neat. Especially if they're dark, like elk antlers. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really like them. Uh, one of the deer that we'll talk about later on, I got a European mount on him too today. Or, uh, when I killed him, I euroed him myself, but, uh, mm-hmm. he's got that real chocolate rack. Like he was talking about. It looks really good. Oh yeah. They look great. Yeah, dude, that's badass. Honestly, I've, uh, I've never been to Colorado. I was stationed in Colorado in Fort Carson, Colorado for like, uh, I think three years about, and I never went elk hunting and I should have cause I was there. I really should have done some elk hunting, but it's just our, between field time and deployment and stuff, it's just kind of never really worked out. We were always in the field doing some dumb shit around, um, elk season. So yeah, didn't work out, but I do, I do want to hunt Colorado elk really bad someday before, cause they're starting to, I think they're, I don't know if they have yet or I know they're talking about it and I know it passed like the ballot, the ballot deal where they're going to reintroduce wolves to Colorado. Yep, that is a uh, uh, that's terrible in my opinion. <laughs> a terrible idea. Yeah, it's 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 dumb when they do that uh, ballot box biology stuff. It really pisses me off because it's like wolves will, were wolves were already making their way into back into Colorado from like way, by way of you know Wyoming and Idaho and stuff like that. Like they were already starting to work their way in, and no one in Colorado is like you know, hey, we should make sure that no wolves ever make it back into Colorado. It's just like, hey, they're already starting to kind of come in. So what's the point in, in like bringing in wolves from Canada or wherever they're getting these big-ass wolves from? I'm assuming it's from Canada. And dropping them off and saying, like, hey, let's expedite this process. Like, what is the point behind that? I just don't – it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either. I uh, Especially with – uh, the elk and deer numbers are, you know, we're uh, supposedly, you know, on the on the decline in Colorado, and they're really talking about doing away with the over-the-counter elk tag. Um, it 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 most likely will not be there within five years, just because there's mm-hmm. there's way too many people going out there at the same exact time, disrupting the elk herd during the rut, you know, and that's that's really tough on the breeding process. Yeah, well, and it sucks too because Colorado has the biggest elk herd in the country like there that colorado holds the most elk out of any other state in the country and yes it, and I think it's by a substantial amount isn't it what was that yeah it's by a substantial amount yes. as well isn't it oh yes yeah like yeah. <laughs> yeah i i don't know the exact numbers but i think it's uh by yeah very substantial amount like maybe you know tens of thousands if not more than that yeah. so they have a substantially larger herd than any, any other state but uh, most other states they're starting to really hammer down over the counter elk um tags as well because i used to go to i went to uh idaho twice i didn't get an elk um but i did go out there twice and they used to have these really awesome uh like disabled veteran tags that were discounted price and okay. it's the only state that did it i'm like that's badass like good like cool for idaho that's really nice so i was going out there and then they, uh, I don't know, they didn't do away with it, but they made it so it's basically first come first serve, and they only have allow three hundred of those tags now to disabled veterans. I mean, that's kind of a disservice, but I don't know what kind of uh, 
lobbying groups were out there saying like, Hey, there's way too many fucking disabled veterans out here killing elk. I don't know if that was, right. the, I don't know if that was the case <laughs> or what, but they ended up dropping the tags for, um, down for disabled veterans, which really kind of sucked. And honestly, like the elk out there, the elk in Idaho used to be, used to be substantially better. And then they introduced wolves into Idaho and they just raked havoc on the elk population. Just, just decimated them. And a lot of Idahoans are really pissed about it. Cause they're like, well, there goes that. Not only do we have to combat with over the counter tags, um, make an easy state to get over the counter tags for. So they're the residents of Idaho are battling non-residents and wolves. So it's like, yeah, and what the now. fuck? So something's got to give, right? So they started cutting, yeah. on, cutting back on over the counter tags and made them. I think they they raised prices up substantially as well. So Idaho used to be the cheapest place to get um, over the counter tag elk tags for non residents, and now it's I think it's right up there with Colorado and Montana and stuff too now. So yeah, I believe it's around seven or eight hundred dollars. I've done some research on it, but I've never been there. Yep. Yeah, not, not a cheap tag for sure. No, it's not. And when you're, if you're looking at Idaho, Montana, Montana, I don't even know how they work. They're kind of weird. Like, it's, I don't think they do over the counter, but I think there's some units that are really easy to draw, like zero point units. Yeah, but, yeah, um, Montana. They've got a weird system too. They've got preference points and bonus points. The bonus points mm-hmm. is for your general elk and deer. And used to, you could pretty much draw them with zero points. Uh, now you've got to have one or two points most of the time to draw that general tag. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's strange about it, those bonus points cap at three. So if you put in for three years, um, that's as many points as you're going to have. Mm. It's just it was kind of a strange system because once the point creeps gets high enough, uh, everybody's just going to be sitting at three points, and then you're basically back to a random drawing. Yeah. Which, in my opinion best way just you know complete lottery but i think so honestly i i like the random random draw on um just lottery lottery mob like new mexico does because it's like if you have a you know say it, i'm not even opposed to colorado and idaho going to you know dr- being a draw being draw states for elk i'm not opposed to that by any means but they're yeah i i do feel Mop. like it's kind of a disservice to the hunters in other areas when when there's no state that caters towards opportunity, you know? So, you know, if Colorado is going to turn into a hundred percent draw state, you know, if it's still easy and attainable to get those tags, like I'm all for it. But if it just becomes a rich man's sport where you have to get a guide in order to get tags, basically like that kind of sucks. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I'm totally for them. Uh, go and draw, uh, for pretty much, you know, all their units because they're, uh, they're deers that way. You can't get an over-the-counter deer tag in Colorado. Mm-hmm. But there are units that you can draw with zero points, you mm-hmm. know. And if you put, I can't remember how many units they have that are over-the-counter, but it's a lot. You know, there's a lot of area that, oh, that over-the-counter tag covers uh, for elk. But if you make all of those units now draw, you're dispersing the tags that way because every different unit is going to have a different set of tags, right? If, if they do it like their other units are. Um, so then I still think you'd be able to get an elk tag every year if you really did your research and uh, figured out what units to apply for. And, and I'm good with that because hopefully that will disperse, you know, the amount of people in one area. 
Holy shit, sorry. Uh, saw a beard on the wrong, wrong tube. Uh-oh. Jeez, oh, Pete's. <laughs> but yeah, no, I... <laughs> holy shit. But I'm, I'm with you on that, honestly. In me living in Iowa, I live in a... It's a draw state for non-residents. And, yes. you know, I'm all for it because I feel like they're... If you look around all the states around Iowa, they're all over the counter states, you know. Um, Minnesota, Illinois, Missouri, they're all... Or Wisconsin, they're all over the counter states for non-residents. And I think that's great. It's great for people that live in certain areas that don't have a very, I don't know, let's say they just have a different deer population, right? Like people in Florida or maybe Georgia, I don't know what your deer are like. I think there's some pretty good deer in Georgia, but, you know, like some pla- some states that people kind of generally bitch about about their, about their deer, um, I think it's good to have Midwest states that are over the counter, but I also think there needs to be a few states where they're draw, like Iowa and Kansas, you know, where they're a little bit harder to get into. But when you come to these states, then you're going to naturally have a better hunt, hunting experience. And that's what you put in for. It's the same way with like elk and mule deer, in my opinion. And they're just yeah. they're, elk and mule deer. They're so touchy. That's why I think that they're. <laughs> Don't don't want to be a dick, but most of my listeners are from the Midwest, anyways. But uh, that's why I, I look at the West as being so cool because there's not that many like that's all where all the elk and mule deer are. But that's why I think whitetails are so much more fascinating as animals because they have adapted to all areas. And elk and mule deer are so touchy. They're like, hey, if there's a person here, I'm running 25 miles away until I run out of habitat and then I die. It's like, exactly. that, it's like, that kind of sucks. Like that's kind of a shitty evolutionary, uh, way to live where it's like, I'm, I don't know. I can't even deal with human pressure whatsoever. So I'm just going to keep going until there's nothing left and then I'm dead. And it's like, damn, that kind of blows. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you've got some giant 200 inch white tails, six year old bucks that live in the suburbs of Atlanta, you know, they're, oh, yeah. they're hanging out in people's backyards. <laughs> they can just, deer are really cool because they can. I mean, we've got deer that live, uh, you know, down here in the mountains, up real high, you know, three to 4,000 feet. That's not real high, but it's high compared to the Midwest, I guess. Um, and then you've got some that, you know, are living down there in Atlanta, and both of them are just as healthy. They're good to go. They're survivors. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. White-tailed deer are survivors. And, you know, their population got knocked down quite a bit back in, like, the, you know, 1800s and shit when market hunting was really big. But, uh yeah. You know, they bounce back so fast because they're just so highly adaptable. They learn how to live with people, not learn how to live with people. Like, you know, I don't know. You can live anywhere. They can live in your your grove right behind your house. And as long as you stay on your pattern of going to your house, to your garage, and mowing around a little bit, they'll bound off a little bit and then they'll come right back. It's like they're smart. Like, they're really smart to be able to keep tabs on humans so well and be able to um, pattern humans so well that they just have learned to, uh, live with us, which is pretty neat, I think. Yeah. And whitetails are king, you know, you can, you can hunt them pretty much any state. What, what, Hawaii is probably the only state you can't. Is that, is that right? Uh, Um, I think there's, I I don't know for sure, but I think there are whitetails in Alaska actually just on the edges, not like, you know, the fucking tundras, but yeah, very cool animal. They 
live a hundred miles in the middle of a desert or they can live in your backyard. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. It's nuts. Like this, their range is insane how they've adapted and stuff. So that's why I think whitetail are the, the most interesting game species out there. They're just so adaptable, but yep, they are. King. I also know that we do need to protect like elk and mule deer, no matter how finicky they are and stuff. It's like we need to protect them and, um, keep certain areas available to them so they can do their thing. You know, they just, they just need, they just yeah. naturally need more space. They need, they need the high mountains and then they need the low lands in the winter. You know, they need all that space in order to survive. And yeah, especially the elk they are so migratory. It's insane. The miles they cover. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing about the wolf thing that pisses me off. Cause I, it's like, <clears throat> I think us hunters have been keeping elk populations in check pretty damn well. And I don't think there's any spots where they're like, dude, it's so overpopulated that we have to introduce wolves in order to contain them. Like Yellowstone made sense. That whole, like, you know, Yellowstone National Park, it made sense why they had to put wolves in there. Cause like all these animals are just booming. Cause there's no, no predator. There's no hunting allowed there. This is not a wild like, park that people can drive through and look at, but there's no, nothing keeping them in check. Cause they don't allow hunting. So they introduced wolves, and they just fucking went wild and blew up, obviously. And that made sense because it's like, yeah, that's one area that's meant to be as wild as possible. So definitely need to put some predators in there to keep everything in check. Um, and they were all, already leaving the Yellowstone going to and from in, into other states. It's like, But um, artificially planting wolves from, you know, other – like from Canada or wherever they came from. And planting them in directly in the mountains like that, that, I feel like that's just kind of doing a disservice to the elk, mule deer, and um, us as hunters. Yes, for sure. I mean, I uh, I totally would have volunteered. We could have went to Yellowstone, and we could have been the predator for a few years. That would be an awesome hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could you imagine the the draw on that? Like, man, I, I, people would be paying, you know, 100 like a couple hundred bucks for a preference point in Yellowstone, you know? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, they'd uh, they'd probably be selling tags at eighty or ninety thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. For it's sure. Like there. No, we wouldn't be able to do that. We can't afford that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that'd be nuts. But but yeah, uh, Taylor texted me. Um, he's good to go whenever we are. If you want me to add him, and then we can. Uh, Maybe yeah. get into the alligator, the next the next animal. <laughs> yep, yep, let's get him in here. Alright, let me see if this works. I'm still battling this beer that went down the wrong tube, so Add call. Alright, I'm gonna call him and then I think I'll have to hit merge. Be right back. Okay. Alright, did that work? I'm here. I'm here. All right. Awesome. Everything good on your end, Jacob? Yeah, sounds good. Taylor? Yes, sir. All right. Hey, glad to have you on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. this will be this will be interesting. I've never done a, a, <laughs> a menage a trois on the podcast before, so. Oh, this is the first time? First time having two, three dudes, um, two dudes remote like this, so this will be interesting. Ooh, breaking, making history here. That's right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, well, we just got done talking with 
I just I just got done talking with Hunter, and uh, he's telling us about his elk um, elk seasons and stuff in the past and all that good stuff. Um, do you want to go ahead and just give everyone a, like a brief backstory on you and who you are and all that? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, so you know, my, my name's Taylor. Um, uh, Taylor Hawk. Been living uh, Taylor Delay. Sorry. There you are. <laughs> uh, you know, lived in Georgia my whole life. Uh, grew up whitetail hunting. Um, I worked the construction industry as a uh, superintendent for a very large general contractor. Um, you know, I just absolutely love hunting, fishing, doing whatever. And it, uh, meeting with Hunter ended up opening up a lot of doors for me to go places that I didn't normally go before. Nice. And how did yeah, how did you, actually, how'd you do meet? Are you guys like good actually, friends from uh, back in the day or what? We know the, the, the WCB uh, Facebook page. Oh no shit! Yeah, yep. Nice, that's so awesome. He posted a picture of a black bear messing with one of his corn piles one day, and was like, "Somebody come kill this nuisance!" So I messaged him, was like, "Hey, I've never hunted black bears. Like, where's this at?" So he starts sending me onyx pins and like whatnot. And he's like, "I'd go hunt with you, but I'm going to uh, Colorado in September." He's like, "But here's these pins." Y'all go and let me know if you shoot one. And nice. that's not so, over a corn pile. That's that's illegal in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. it, was, it was a corn pile for deer, but the bear was obviously eating it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we, we can so bait that's... deer and hogs, but we can't bait bear. And the season intertwines. So if you put out bait, you basically have to say, I will not shoot a bear here, you know. Oh, no shit. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like Canada and them. <laughs> weird. I wonder why that is. Well, we, oh, we got a lot of them. Yeah, used to, our bear population was pretty low, but in the last five to ten years, uh, they have, you know, they managed them very well, and we've got a, we've got a very large population in North Georgia now. Uh, <clears throat> they went up from uh, one bear a year to two bears a year. Uh, I wish they would allow baiting. I don't know if they ever will, because these things, they're, I hate them. They're giant raccoons. They get in your trash. They make <laughs> they're just i can't stand them <laughs> <laughs> so did you end up killing that bear then taylor or what uh no i didn't i ended up killing one uh what was that october in a in a different spot but kind of the same thing a pen that he had sent me um i, I went on another hunt and ended up killing one that time oh nice yeah that was a it was an adventure it was really fun that's it was cool. my first time backpack hunting. Okay. So can you guys uh, run dogs for bears? There is a, uh, there's a few pieces of public land that they allow it on. It's a very uh, managed hunt. They only have certain dates that they allow it, and it changes every year. And then I believe in, so we have uh, two different bear zones, the north zone and the uh, central zone. Uh, I don't think there's a southern zone, best I remember. There's no bears that far south anyway. But the central zone, they have a very, very short season. I think it's literally one day. Mm. And don't quote me on it, I believe they allow dogs on that hunt. Okay. But uh, just in general up here, most of the time not. There's a few areas where they do a special hunt for it. But uh, like where he killed that bear, it's... You know, it's 90,000 acres of national forest and wildlife management area. So it's a, it's a huge piece of public, and it's some really nasty country. 
<laughs> weird. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool though. So what, what were your tactics, Taylor, for uh bear hunting? Are you kind of hunting like white tails, like just in tree stands and get on a trail or what's your kind of your tactic there? No, so that, that time of year, they focus really heavily on uh, white oak acorns and red oak acorns. Uh, so I actually had my dad with me on that hunt. And so him and I just worked this big um, switchback road that went all the way to a fire tower at the top of the mountain. We worked it back and forth slowly throughout the morning, just checking these groves of white oaks and ended up coming across this bear. We actually walked into him. He was coming down the trail towards us, and we were going towards him, and we come around the corner at the same time. Um, we were sub-50 yards from him, and he's just staring at us. And, you know, me and my dad, we this is the first bear we'd ever seen in person. You know, we both kind of froze for a second before we really realized, like, hey, somebody needs to shoot this thing. Uh, but it was it, it was mostly just looking for looking for him feeding. That time of year, they, they eat, like, I think it's like 18 to 20 hours a day getting ready for the winter yeah okay so it's it's pretty it's pretty cool they do a lot of climbing that time of year um so you'll catch them in the trees you'll hear them up in the trees snapping branches and whatnot you'll see the cubs um they'll run up the trees and break branches and then mom's hanging out on the ground munching (laughs) dude that's nuts no it's it's a it's a really fun time of year to be in the woods in north georgia that's cool that sounds like a blast honestly Never, never, it is a lot of fun, and it's, it's cheap. Yeah, you never really think about uh, North Georgia as you know bear hunting. You know, you think you know Wyoming, Idaho, you know Western states for bear hunting. Canada, you know, so right. Yeah, everybody thinks Canada. You know, sitting over a barrel full of donuts and shooting, <laughs> shooting these diabetic bears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I bet they do taste good though. Oh, I'm sure the god tastes good. I mean, little dubbies rule, so bears eating little dubbies all the time have to rule as well. That's it. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like a blast, dude. So, Hunter, uh, let's go ahead and get into what what is next on the agenda. I mean, this season is pretty hard to it, it's it's been wild keeping up with you and um, everything you guys have been doing, honestly. So, where'd you go after elk season then? Or right? Was that so, after elk season, or was it before? Is right after elk season. Okay. Um. So Georgia has a uh, very small amount of alligator tags down south. Um. I don't remember the exact number for the whole state, but the unit that I drew in, I believe, is it's either seventy or eighty tags, something like that. I'd have to look it up. Um. So a lot of people apply, and there's not many tags. I have been putting in for this alligator tag since I was twelve years old. They uh. They don't let anybody under 12 hunt alligators, I guess. No. I don't know. To me, that <laughs> that should be the parents. Yeah, to me, it should be the parents' decision, you know, but whatever. That's that's more government outreach, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But, I've been, yeah, I've been putting in since I was 12. On the way back from my elk hunt, you know, we have very, very spotty phone service out there where we hunt. So I hadn't been checking emails, nothing like that. Um, we get into Dalton, Georgia, which is uh, kind of right on the edge of Chattanooga, up there around Tennessee, not far. So we're almost home. You know, we've been driving 21 hours or whatever it is. And for some reason, I just like, I better go check my emails. I open it up, and the first email I see is, congratulations, you've been accepted for your uh, alligator tag. And I'm like, 
oh my god you know i'm having a come apart inside the truck there i'm tickled to death <laughs> but the problem is um since we've been in colorado for three weeks this season only lasts i think it was two more weekends that we had to hunt mm. so we had we had no gear we had nothing you know i, I look at dad and i'm like dude we got to go kill an alligator i just drew my tag <laughs> so we get back into town uh luckily one of my friends had done it before and he had two uh it was mule tape like 2500 pound mule tape rigged to treble hooks big giant huge trebles so mm-hmm. in georgia you have to uh restrain the alligator before you can shoot it um you can do that with harpoons a uh, bow fishing rig hook and line uh fishing pole anything like that whoa so you can't it's not it's not like swamp people where you can, you know, put out chicken and uh, they eat it and get hooked and you go run your trot lines. You know, you actually have to see it and somehow restrain it before you shoot it. So you have to go out there, find the alligator, and then restrain this alligator with whatever means you can, and then you can shoot it. So you're not just out there shooting heads. Nope. Uh, which I get because, you know, if you shoot one out in the middle of the lake, you're going to shoot it. It's going to sink to the bottom. And I mean, what are you going to do? Swim down there and get it. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's the reason they do that. But uh, so I talked to my buddy. He let me borrow those two mule tapes. Um, that weekend I had to work. Um, I was on call. So I had to uh, run service calls for HVAC all weekend. But next weekend, this is the last the last three days of season. The only time we could do it, we're going down to a piece of public, and I'm I'm taking my 22 foot center console down on the Savannah River in the swamps. So I'm pretty worried about the boat. It got it got disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we get all that go together, hook up to the camper. Um, Taylor's going to meet us down there. He lives a few hours south of me, um, so he drove over and met us there. Me and Dad, we go down, set up camp. Uh, on the way down, we went into a Walmart and bought like this big catfish spinning rod, just a cheap. Didn't really do, didn't care if we broke it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And some big trebles with some weights on them. So that's our gear. We've got two uh, two hand lines and one fishing pole to get this done with, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we get camp set up. Um, Taylor's not there yet. We went out in the boat, found a few alligators, one pretty nice one that we were, uh, we were probably going to shoot him. That was our plan, right? Um, we pick up Taylor, we hunt. How long did we hunt that night, Taylor? Uh, three or four hours? Oh, three or four hours, yeah. A couple hours after dark, because you can hunt them at night in Georgia. Okay. Um, found, found one that we were going to kill, right? We were, we were going to go back in there the next morning and get it done. Uh, we get up, I don't know, what time we leave the camper? Maybe 8 or 9 a.m.? Yeah, it was early. We was trying to let the sun get up and warm, you know, warm the water up where the alligators would get up and swim around and do their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we head down to this one other pond before we get to where we found those alligators, and I was just going to glass it and see if there was anything better. Uh, there wasn't much water in that one there, so there we never saw a gator there. So we go down to this boat ramp, and from the boat ramp, we can see uh, where that big gator had been hanging out. Mm-hmm. We pull up to the boat ramp, and I see that alligator. I'm like, oh, there he is. That's one, you know, he's he's probably nine and a half foot, somewhere in that range. Uh, go to put the boat in the water, and we hear somebody come off the river. This is on the Savannah River, and we're on a little oxbow lake. We hear somebody come up the river. 
come into that lake and they go past us, you know, right when we are putting our boat in the water. And I'm like, oh, they must be fishing, you know. We come around the corner to where that alligator is, and they have already restrained that alligator when we get there, and they're flying oh. to the boat. Yeah, he uh-huh. was one of the lucky tack holders. <laughs> uh-huh. So you're just in there so reading them on. <laughs> yeah, we, we literally, we sat 50 yards away from him and watched the whole thing go down. Uh, I don't know, it probably took him 15 minutes to get it up to the boat. Uh, they shot it, they got it in there. Uh, we went and talked to him, actually made friends with him, got some phone numbers, and actually a little bit of a permission piece down there by doing that so oh, it was nice. all cool you know yep we was a little disappointed but hey it's public land he had a tag he did everything legal he just got there before us yep yep so r- real quick so when you're watching this happen is that are you watching them also and being like okay so that's how they're doing it not all right interesting or yeah. i mean okay yeah they were doing it the same way we were they just had a bunch of fishing poles and uh some hand lines as well. So they did it the same exact way that we did. That's cool. But, uh, so we hung around right there. There was one other alligator there about the same size. And we'd seen him come up one time and then go back to the bottom. So my dad, he got up on the deck and he was actually, uh, just blind casting around where that alligator was. And he hooked it under the water. We had no idea where this alligator was, but he just kept going through and dragging that hook along the bottom. And he felt it move, you know, so he hooked it. Dude, you have never seen an animal have a come apart like that alligator did when he got a hook in his side. That thing took off, and it is dragging this 22-foot center console around. We was anchored up, and he's dragging the boat and the anchor just leaving. Oh, jeez. And your dad's just holding on? (laughs) He's just holding on like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Dude, that's nuts. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But uh, it it drug us around to some uh, flooded timber, and it went back in the swamp and got wrapped around a bunch of trees and eventually broke the line. Mm. So uh, that one got away from us. And uh, what time was it at that point, Taylor? Probably one or two in the evening? Yeah. Yeah, we were we were getting about done with that pond by then. So we decided uh, there was one other small lake, Oxbow Lake, off the river with a boat ramp. We were just going to go look at it. We hadn't even been there yet. Uh, we drive up there, get the boat in the water, see some small alligators, troll around a little bit, and there's this point where you can't see. It's, it's a really narrow lake, and it dips down into this really small channel and there's almost like a big pond right there behind it so we go through that little narrow slip and look over and then there's big daddy he was he we knew he was a shooter as soon as we saw him um and he must have been kind of king of that little swamp because a lot of those alligators when you're trolling up to them on the trolling motor they'll go underwater and then you've got to try to figure out where they're at by casting you know Mm mm-hmm he did. He just stood right on top of the water. Taylor's actually got a video of it. We'll have to send you after this. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. And he just kind of gently just moseying away from the boat, you know. Um, I get up within casting distance of him. I throw right over his back. As soon as that hook hit him, he jumped underwater, you know, just as quick as he could, dove down. Got a hook in him. Uh, he went down and locked himself to the bottom. I don't know if they go down there and like sink themselves in the mud or if they grab a hold of something with their claws. I don't know, but he was not coming off that bottom with the fishing pole. So then we grabbed those two hand lines, dropped them down and into the water. Got we hooked him with both those lines, didn't we? 
Yeah, we got both of them at him. He had one in his tail and one in his armpit. Yeah. No, that's Dropped about perfect down. placement, isn't it? Yeah, it worked it really good. Was. Yeah. <laughs> we got lucky. It really was a good spot. But uh, we fighting him with those hand lines. We get him up to the top, and the first thing that comes out is his tail. And right up against the boat that close, I'm like, holy crap, this thing is big. He's got his tail coming up, beating on the side of the boat. And I'm like, no, don't scratch it. Come on, easy. (laughs) (laughs) But we finally get his head up where we can see it. And uh, alligators, they're like uh, stripers, striped bass. They can fight really hard for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. But then uh, acid builds up inside their body. Mm -hmm. And they basically just have to shut down and sit there. So you you get a short window where they're just sitting there, you know, basically exhausted. And that's the point he was at when we finally got his head up next to the boat. So uh, it, you can use a bang stick or a pistol. And I had a, a nine millimeter uh, M&P shield is uh, what I was going to shoot him with. Wait, so, he, so we, a bang stick? What's that? A, a bang stick <laughs> is a. It's basically a stick, and on the very end of it, you've got a, a bullet and a firing pin, and you just knock them in the head with that, and the bullet goes off. So it's. You know, it's basically just a really crude form of a gun, huh, but uh, okay, you just yeah. put them up, put them up against their head and push down, and uh, that bullet goes off. No kidding. So it's a, either a bang stick or a pistol. No. Yep. You can no rifles one, no or rifle. shotguns or anything like that. No. Okay. No. And there's one little small soft spot in their head that uh, a lot of people actually use, like twenty twos and stuff. Really, but nice. you put it in that soft spot. In my head, I'm and thinking if you're using a pistol, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go out there with like a 500 Smith & Wesson or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. I yeah, just, that's I, what you would think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that soft spot is there. You know, that's kind of like their kryptonite. You can, I've actually seen videos of people taking knives and just pushing it into that soft spot and they're done. Doof. It just uh, it severs their backbone and gets their brainstem all at the same time. Dang, and that's right. You said it's right between the eyes? No, it's kind oh. of at the back of the head. Oh, the back of the head. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh towards. It's pretty much right on top of the brain, where the brain meets and the spine comes right under it. Huh. Uh, but it's there's like, there's like no bone there. There's a hole in the skull, and that's where you just put it. Um. <laughs> so we get his head up. He's he's calm, you know. But I can tell him I'm starting to see his legs start to move again. He's about to take off. Uh, we also had a beaver snare with us. We were going to put that snare over his head before I shot, but I could tell that he was about to try to get out of there again, so we didn't get the beaver snare on him, and he finally put his head in a way that I could just put my gun straight down and pop him in that soft spot, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what we did, and I reached down there and shot him just barely in front of that soft spot. I didn't know exactly where it was, but I was close enough where he just he was done at that point. Um so gun goes off, you know, he's laying there dead and we are, we're celebrating, you know, we're hollering and screaming. That was, that was a big fight. That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds intense, dude. Yeah. And, uh, Taylor, tell him about how, uh, he kind of came back alive on us there and we had to shoot him again. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a bit wild. You know, we, we figured he was dead. You know, it was game over. There's blood in the water. You know, we're hooting, hollering, high-fiving, and uh, we we get the beaver snare around his neck because, you know, like Hunter said earlier, if you shoot them, they just go to the bottom. Like, can you, like, 
Imagine trying to hold that gator is what two ninety five hunter at least what he weighed out at. Yep. So, I mean, dude, he turns into the biggest boat anchor you've ever tried to hold on to. <laughs> so we we get the beaver snare around his neck. I've got his neck. Hunter's got his the hook that's in his armpit. His dad's got his tail, and uh, you know we're high fiving and you know, whatnot. We think this thing's dead, and he gets like almost like a second wind. And he starts he starts kind of moving again and kicking. Hunter leans over the boat, and that gator kind of went to pick his head up a little bit. Hunter puts another one in him, and then we all stood there for a minute waiting, like, is this thing actually dead? We're going to have to shoot it again. And uh, finally, finally, he finally gave up. We gave it, what, another five or ten minutes before we uh, got brave enough to put our hands in the water to try to drag him out. <laughs> But it was uh, it, it was interesting. I tell you that it was an adventure. Yeah, I mean, that and the DNR agent thinking that we're idiots for taking this seventy thousand dollar bay boat into the swamps of Savannah. They <laughs> <laughs> couldn't believe that that's, that that's the boat we brought. They were like, "Y'all, there's no way. Like, y'all brought a John boat, right? Like, no, this is it." They're like, "Yeah, there's no way." <laughs> Jeez. Well, apparently. Well, they, they told us apparently those gators will bite the side of the boat if you don't keep them restrained. Oh no! And I mean, you figure that big ten foot gator bites the side of that center console. It's going. It's fiberglass. It's going to put a hole in it. Oh yeah, yeah. They're strong. I mean, they're actual dinosaurs. So yeah, That's yeah. Nuts. It was it was an adventure, man. It was wild. I'm I'm glad I got to go on it, and it was funny because he texted me. It was probably one o'clock in the morning, and. uh I think I had a concrete pour. So I was, I woke up probably an hour after that and I look at my phone. He's like, I drew a gator tag. We got to go to Savannah. <laughs> and my, my only response back was just tell me the day I need to take work off and we'll be there. That's awesome. That's so cool. Like, I wasn't going to miss that one. No, dude, that's, that's nuts. I mean, so is that a once in a lifetime tag for Georgians or what? No, you I can figure I, every 10 to 12 years. Yeah, I should okay. be able to draw it in 10 to 12 years. Uh, I'm, right now, I want to get Taylor one, and I want to get my dad one. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. That was a, uh, you know, I've killed a lot of deer, a lot of hogs, everything else. But there's there something special about killing that alligator. And uh, I was, you know, pretty melancholy about it, honestly. Uh, that uh, Me and my dad has hunted that piece of public since I was old enough to stand. You know, I mm -hmm. killed the hawk down there when i was seven years old deer every year you know and uh, the game warden we talked to he estimated that that alligator was 25 to 30 years old Jeez. so they live they live a long time you know i just got to thinking i was like man that that gator he lived here before i was even born he probably my dad probably walked to the side and you know when mm -hmm. my dad was waiting near my age or whatever and, uh, heck, I probably walked beside that alligator when I was seven or eight years old, you know. So it was, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it's kind of a weird way to look at it, but I like it. You know, like, they are so old. Like, I mean, 25 to 30 years, that's my age. Like, fuck, dude, that's old as fuck. Especially yeah, for... most animals aren't living that, that amount of time. <laughs> no, no. I mean, for I mean, I'm a full-grown full man, actual full-grown human being man, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When you think about animals, you're thinking, you know, 10 years old is a pretty old animal of any of any species, honestly. 
Because I think elk, right. elk, elk get a little bit older. Generally, generally live a little older than like white-tailed deer do. But um, I don't know. Yeah, twenty-five, three. That's a. I mean, what, I don't know what it is about reptiles that they take so long to age. You know, like they just live forever. It seems like. It yeah, does really seem do. like they just, they never, they're 40, 50 years old and it's nothing. Yeah, they're still doing their thing, like just out there surviving, yeah. sur- like out there surviving in the wild for that long of a time is ridiculous. Well, that's the wild thing you think about it. You know, alligators are known to prey on each other. So oh, they, are they? They've got to fight. Oh, yeah. Like the big ones will kill the little ones. Oh, so I if you know figure that. they got to, fight you know just mother nature in itself bigger alligators you know I, i'm sure that there's diseases to certain you know like algae red tide algae stuff like that like it's it's a rough life being being an animal oh yeah it for sure is and i know like in florida the 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 pythons are insane down there like the the invasive pythons are Absolutely insane, but they've yeah. actually gotten to the point where they're decreasing the gator population in Florida because they're eating all the like baby gators and and egg and gator eggs and oh. all that shit. So they're just not. And the older ones are obviously fine, but you know all the young ones, they're all getting swallowed up by these dumbass snakes. So I don't know. I don't know what yep. there is in in Georgia. Is there any other predator that eats gators? No, no, I would say just people. We don't have anything big enough. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, maybe yeah. an eagle could snatch up a baby gator, but even then, it's like they're so tough. Yeah. Like their skin is so tough. It's like, I don't know. I would say that the babies, uh, birds probably get the babies. And then, of course, the eggs. You know, you've got coons and possums. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I'd, say once, I'd say once they get four foot, three or four foot, they're, uh, you know, I think the only thing that can kill them is another alligator. Wouldn't you say, Taylor? Yeah. yeah. They're they're pretty feisty little angry lizards. I'd just say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they sure seem like it. Uh, yeah, while I was down there, I called a little four footer just to pick up and hold, you know, and get in the boat and take pictures with. And oh. That thing was not happy. He he, all he was trying to do was eat my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. I can't imagine living like growing up in Iowa. I can't imagine just being out in the woods, walking around like, oh shit, like walking through a swamp area. Like I feel, <laughs> I've never felt unsafe walking through the woods in Iowa. Like no, nothing. I'm walking around like the only thing that can hurt me is myself. So I'm walking around with literally no fear, but. You know, down in places like that, like Florida and Georgia and other places, like, dude, you walk around the wrong spot. And next thing you know, you stomp up on, on top of a, you know, six, seven, eight foot gator. You're liable to get fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> Taylor loves this. We, uh, we duck hunt down there in the same area a lot. And you'll be standing, you know, waist deep up to your chest in water. And when that sun comes up, it's really cold during duck season down there. But normally when the, the sun comes up, that water starts to warm up. You'll just be standing there, and you'll look over about five foot from you. A big old alligator will just come up out of the water and swim right beside you. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's unnerving. <laughs> well, I'll say that. It's unnerving. Yeah, I bet it is. No, I just I didn't think about it. He, he drug me down there last year. He's like, let's go duck hunting. I said, you know what? Let's go duck hunting. We're sitting down there, and, you know, first day it was too cold. We, weren't gonna, we didn't see any gators, and it just didn't cross my mind. And the second day, we put the kayaks in to go hunt this hole. 
and there's 30 alligators between us and the hole, and we watched one swim into it. Said, I'm, I'm not really sure about this. I might just stay in my kayak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even in a kayak, I'd feel nervous, dude. I have an eight-foot-long well, gator that just wants to get pissed and flip your ass. I mean, that's still not good. <laughs> exactly. And then and then we go down there and kill this 10-foot alligator right – I mean, we weren't 30 yards from one of the places we ducked on it last oh, year. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's like this is not the greatest idea we've ever had. <laughs> I mean, um, honestly, though, in uh, overall, you think gators are generally more scared of humans, though, right? Like, if you walk upon them, they're probably going to oh, try yeah. getting away, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You've got, you've got way more of a chance dying in a car crash driving down there than an alligator biting you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but I don't really worry about it standing in the water down there just because, you know, it's such a low probability of one of them attacking you. If they attack you, you're, if they really wanted to get you and you're in the water, you're probably not going to survive it. But uh, <laughs> if, if that's the way I'm supposed to go, I'll just go that way. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, at the yeah. same time, the chances aren't zero, you know? So, no, yeah. they are not. <laughs> it's never zero percent chance. It's definitely a chance. Still, like it's more of a chance than up here where I'm at. Like, there's no chance of anything here hurting you. We don't have poisonous snakes up here, dude. We have gardener snakes. I would say down there, you got a better chance of getting into it with a sow pig than you do a gator. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Pigs get Those- cranky. Those those swamp pigs. Oh yeah, you get between a sow and her piglets, and uh, you better hope you got a gun. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And they're, they're I mean, they're big, big pigs. They're yeah, and they're pissed like all the time for no reason. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just balls of muscle I, I and fat. I hit one of the biggest pigs. Oh yeah, they're they're mean. I hit one of the biggest pigs Hunter and I have ever seen with my truck, not four <laughs> miles from his house. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, they're up here yeah. in the mountains, really bad too. Oh, jeez. So with uh, but those mountain pigs are huge. Oh yeah. yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people throw around that. Oh, I killed a hog and he was over three hundred pounds. Most of the time, they're not. If you mm-hmm. actually weigh them, you know, a really big hog is two hundred fifty pounds. Because down here, especially, I don't know about other places, they don't get fat like a domesticated hog. You know, I mean, they're eating acorns. You know, they're not getting stuffed full of corn like they do on farms or whatever yeah right so they're they're really built you know they're huge up front big muscles really no fat on them mm-hmm. but uh that that hog he hit with his truck that was truly a uh, 300 pound plus hog it was huge did you just jack your truck it up or what no i i got lucky uh it, i think he got clipped by a car in front of me and when i come around the corner he was just sort of dazed and confused standing in the road and I, I jerked into the other lane, and he went underneath my back tire. I got lucky and didn't hit him with my front end. Oh, good. But that was the first thing I did was I called Hunter. I said, dude, you're not going to believe the size of the pig I just hit with my truck. <laughs> and he's like, is your truck okay? I said, yeah, I'm on my way to your house. I need a Sawzall. We're going to cut this thing's head off. <laughs> Jeez. And we did. I, I drove to his house, and we took the Sawzall out of his HVAC van and drove back to that pig. Oh, hello. It was what oh. eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It wasn't our greatest idea on a road with no lights in a corner <laughs> trying to cut this pig up. But 
the funny thing is he was driving up to my house to go hog hunting the next morning. And I'm like, well, you ain't going to do no better than this. We might as well just hang out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So are, are the pigs, um, when you guys are, do they have, they don't have tags or anything for them, do they? It's just. No, no. As no. many as you want. No. Okay. Pigs, coyotes, uh, we can kill them however we want to, whenever we want to. Um, I actually do a lot of thermal hunting with another buddy of ours um, on coyotes, pigs. Uh, we can we can actually hunt raccoons now in Georgia. Um, mm. The population's gotten so bad that they that they've changed the way we can hunt them, and uh, we don't have to run dogs, um, and we don't have to just use traps anymore. We can shoot them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, they they've really put a number on the turkey population. Plus, the yep. amount of habitat that that gets lost to houses every year around Atlanta has really, really put a hurting on the population. Yeah, uh, in Iowa, they just passed it not too long ago, maybe a year or two ago. They passed it where raccoons are continuous open season, just like coyotes. So, but y'all can't hunt them at night, can you? Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, you can. Yep, yep. We can hunt them at night. We can. It's um open season, continuous, no no restrictions, just like coyotes now. So we can hunt them at night. We can hunt them with whatever caliber we want to. We can run dogs. We can, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do with raccoons, you can do. So, yep. Have you ever you ever tried calling in raccoons like you do coyotes? No, I've heard of someone doing it before, but. I've never done it myself. I've done it once before, and I'm trying to talk my other buddy into doing it during the daylight with shotguns. Because I keep seeing these videos of guys calling them in, and these raccoons just getting so big and burly and attacking the call. Hmm. It just looks like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Raccoons are nuts, dude. They're pretty. They're pretty wild, especially up here. They 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 eat so much corn and stuff too, and they. Uh, they do put a hurting on the turkey population, so we have a, a pretty big coon problem up here that, I don't know, uh, there's not a lot of coon hunters anymore, honestly. There used to be a healthy oh. po- population of coon hunters up here, but then the furs went way down in price, so everyone's just like, well, what's the point, you know? But running dogs up here yep. for coons was very popular, and there's just not a lot of people doing it anymore. It's definitely a, a uh, it's a dying dying thing for sure we don't you know that used to be a huge thing here in georgia and you know last 15 20 years you just don't see it anymore the Mm -hmm. pelts aren't worth money guys aren't putting the time into the dogs um it's a dying art in reality oh yeah for sure that honestly that'd be a youtube channel for sure just (laughs) coon hunters yeah i don't know that'd be that'd be oh yeah that'd be cool there's all the different ways you can hunt coons and everything else and that's the kind of hunting that I really do like to promote a lot as much as I can is predators and coyotes and raccoons and all that stuff, stuff that people don't really think about. Cause you know, deer hunting is deer hunting. Like everyone loves to watch it and there's so much content out there for deer hunting and elk hunting and bear hunting and all that stuff. But what you don't see a lot is the, is like the coon hunters and the coyote hunters and, and coyote hunting is getting more and more popular, which is cool, especially with the, advances in um thermals and all that good stuff so that's cool to see but oh yeah i I tell you what there's there's no 
there's no kind of hunting like coyote hunting and pig hunting with thermals. It is so much fun. I'd love to go uh, pig hunting with thermals. That'd be so much fun. We we have we have an absolute blast doing it. Uh, we had a property over the summer. Um, it's actually out near a piece of property Hunter's dad owns. That was it had a good bit of pigs on it. I think we killed somewhere between forty and fifty pigs off of it, and every one of them we killed them with thermals. Mm. Um, and we just we'd get into groups and we'd just slay them. We'd kill fifteen twenty of them in a night. You mm-hmm. know, piglets, full grown pigs. Man, it was it was a blast. And then uh, I've got another buddy that got me into the thermal hunting, and he's got property all over Georgia that we have access to to help out farmers with coyotes. Um, and we, we do that almost every weekend that we're not deer hunting. We're somewhere in this state with thermals and we're running until three, four o'clock in the morning. Damn. That's cool. That'd be a, that'd be a good time. So yeah, it, I want to try is. that. I've not got to go do it with him yet. It looks like a ball. Yeah. Definitely get out there because uh, those thermals record and shit now, don't they? Yes. Yeah, dude. You guys get out there and fucking shoot some pigs with thermals and start making some videos. That'd be badass. We can do a, a victory drive pig shoot once a year. There you go. Yep. I'm <laughs> game. Go. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, I know I know enough people with thermals, and I'm about to buy my second one. Awesome. I know I I know a guy, Matt Hoynes from. He works at Silencer Central. I went out and hunted prairie dogs with him in South Dakota and all that good stuff. But I bet you he'd be in for that for sure. That'd be a good time. Yeah, that was it, really, it really cool is. That mm-hmm. was your. Uh, I'd like to do that. What you talked about with the prairie dogs. I listened to that episode. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I want to do that, <laughs> dude. It is so much fun. Like we killed probably over a hundred prairie dogs. I think I, I lost count. Actually, I know we shot over 100 prairie dogs. I lost count at like 120-some-odd prairie dogs oh that one day. God. We're just <laughs> blasting them, dude. It was insane, but it was just so much fun. And they're so small. And if you want to get good with it, get good with a gun, that is probably about the best practice you can get when, you know, because shooting paper and shooting steel is fun and it's cool. But honestly, like. That's a live animal. You're actually hunting. You're actually <laughs> hunting. Practice. Yeah, and you're doing the the farmers and the ranchers so much such a favor because you go out there and there you see all these prairie dog towns and they're just decimating decimating the landscape. But you're talking, you know, hundreds and thousands, hundreds to thousands of acres just gone. Like you can't use it. You can't run cattle on it. You can't do shit with it. It's just dead. It's just dead dead land because these prairie dogs just fucked it all up by putting their holes everywhere. Yeah, where, where we yeah the cattle followed it. Yeah, yeah, a cow will fall on it and break their leg, and then they're fucked. And then that's over. Now you got to kill that cow. So Yeah, and he just lost all that money. Yep. 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 So where, they, they generally fence them off. At, Sorry, go ahead. The the, close, the closest town where we elk hunt at, down lower, mm-hmm. um, there's two or three really big ranches. And when you drive down that road, all you see is the mounds and just prairie dogs sticking up sticking their head up out of there. Yep. I met one of the ranchers when I was at a gas station. I was in camouflage. He's like, are you out here, you know, you out here hunting, you know, whatever. We talked for a minute. I'm like, yeah, I'm archery elk hunting. He's like, well, dude, next time you come out here, bring a rifle and kill these freaking prairie dogs on my ranch, please. He's like, I don't care. You can have, I'll give you the keys to the gate, give you a truck, 
whatever to drive around in. He's like, please come kill these prairie dogs. So apparently they absolutely hate them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're destructive. They're very, very destructive. And there's nothing you can do with them. I, mean, I don't know. You don't eat prairie dogs. They, they're carriers, carriers of the plague and they're just, they're rodents, dude. They're var- a bunch of varmints out there. They are kind of cute. I will give them that. Like you see them, you're like, ah, that's kind of cute. But that's about it. But it's, I mean, their cuteness doesn't supersede the fact that they're destroying entire landscapes and just ravishing these farm, these farms and stuff. And there's no way, like, there's no way you can kill them all. I don't think the only way you could is if you poisoned them, and that's illegal. Right. Yep. So I don't know. It is a lot of fun, though. You guys should definitely. I think we're gonna try to get out to uh, Scotty. Matt and I, we're going to try getting out to South Dakota. I don't know. We want to do it once a year and do like a victory drive prairie dog camp and go out there and just shoot dogs all the time and then shoot prairie dogs in the day and then shoot coyotes at night. But that sounds fun. We are down. We are coming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll let you guys know when we go back down there or over there and definitely see if you can make it work. It is a good time for sure. And so, so cheap. You just get a, uh, general um, small game license, and you're good to shoot coyotes and prairie dogs. So, and I think it's like, I think it's like forty bucks is all it cost. That's awesome. That sounds like yeah. fun. So, Scotty's there. Scotty's a he, he's cool to hang out with. Oh yeah, Scotty's the man. He's a good dude. <laughs> but uh, I do want to. So we didn't. I wanted to know what did you do end up doing with the alligator? Now that we talked about all that other stuff too. <laughs> so my dad messed up. Um, I went down there and I'm like, I'm killing a 10 footer. I'm killing a 10 footer. That's what I want. So dad popped up and he said, you kill one over 10 foot on your first alligator hunt down here. And we have two days to do it. He said, I'll full body mount it for you. Oh it was no. 10 foot one inch. <laughs> <laughs> so is he going to do it? Yep. Yep. He's going to do it. We found a taxidermist. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have to drive down to Florida. Uh, but I'm going to search a little bit more in Georgia because there's not a real common thing up here to, uh, you know, not everybody mounts alligators. <laughs> Especially a full body mount. Yeah, so I'm going to get a full body mount. Um, I've not decided exactly what I'm going to do yet. It's either going to be just long ways on the wall, you know, kind of like laying on a log. I'm going to try to build some sort of a stand with like Spanish moss and some cypress knees, stuff like that mm-hmm. for it. What kind of fucking house well, do you have where you have 10, 10 feet of wall space to throw an alligator on? Dude, I live in just a uh, a really long double wide, but uh, <laughs> I, I have nothing on my wall except animals. Dude, that is fucking badass. <laughs> what I'm picturing is exactly what I picture the majority of Georgians to be living in, honestly. Yeah, just, just remodeled me enough double wide. Yeah. Fill it, fill it full of animals. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's badass. I, 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 cause I want to get a, a gator or like a, a crocodile in Africa real bad. The crocodile in Africa costs a lot of money, but I want to get something like that and get some fucking badass boots made or something. Yeah, that would be really cool. That would, that would probably be the only reason why I might want to kill another one eventually, uh, to get some boots or something like that. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. That'd be sweet. So did you end up eating them too? Like, did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I got, uh, Shoot, it was 180 something pounds of meat off that sucker. Jeez. Yeah, we we got everything we could off that gator. Yeah, we quartered him. We got all of you know. A lot of people just take the tail, but no, we got the quarters. We got the neck meat, the belly meat, 
they've got a lot of meat on them. They're solid muscle. Yeah, we pulled the ribs, everything. Yeah, no got kidding. the ribs. What's I've that? not tried the ribs yet. I uh, I'm excited for the ribs. I think we're it, we got a duck camp okay. coming up. Maybe we'll try to cook the ribs then. Is their fat good? Like, is it like uh, I I don't I know with the deer and stuff. You want to cut all that fat off of them because it tastes like shit and it's waxy, but. Is like gator fat, is it decent or is it kind of gross? Do you want to get rid of all that and have just the meat or what? I didn't try the fat. When I talked to the processor, uh, he recommended to get rid of the fat. Okay. So uh, he trimmed all the meat for me up. And, uh, you know, I've got most of it. I pretty much just did like gator nuggets, you know. Oh, sure. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I got him to go through and just cut it up into a lot of small pieces to fry. And I got him to run it through a cuber. So it's it's pretty tender. It's pretty good. Nice. That'd be awesome. I've only had gator once, and I think that was at, like, the Renaissance Festival or something when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very good meat. Yeah. It's, uh, it's totally different than what you'd think. It's, you know, to me, it's, I know everybody says it, but it tastes a lot like chicken to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. It's because it's, it's white meat, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the tail is white meat. The quarters are a little bit darker. And they're a little bit tougher. The, the tail is super tender, but uh, the quarters are a little bit darker. But they're still good, mm-hmm. you know. What do you do? Like slow cook them, or you, or do you get them all cubed up? Uh, pretty much everything was cubed up. Okay, I've not made the ribs yet. We may try to smoke the ribs. I'm not sure yet. But oh, uh, most of the time, I just bread bread it and fry it. Okay, you know, make like appetizers and stuff with it. It's, it's awesome. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's a really good table talk there. That's awesome. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like calamari once you fry it. Well, that's what I was going to ask that, but I didn't want to sound stupid. But I was kind of wondering in my head. Yeah. I'm like, I wonder if it's kind of like calamari-ish. It is. It's kind yeah, of, I would it's say it's like rubbery. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like calamari and chicken had a baby. Okay. Yeah. Like swamp chickens. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, chickens are also fucking dinosaurs too, so they're eating yeah, everything. They are. They're weird. I, I guess that's really and truly they're uh, evolutionary wise, they're not far off. So I guess that's why they taste a lot alike. Yeah, probably. On, honestly, would it makes sense? Because I'm pretty sure I, I forgot who I was listening to. Someone I was trying to remember that I was listening to someone where they said that chickens are actually like dinosaurs as well and like a raptor there because i think there's some science that came out or something i might be completely fucked up but i heard this from somewhere i think where they were thinking that like raptors and t-rexes and shit were actually feathered rather than scaly so i don't know that'd be that'd be interesting you're, you're right. I was, uh, my thing growing up when I was a kid and I still love them. I was always a dinosaur nerd. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're totally right. They were all feathered yeah. <laughs> raptors and stuff like that. Okay. And it, it makes sense too. Cause, um, aren't like birds of prey, like eagles and hawks and stuff. They call them raptors. So like, that's the other name for them, right? Yep. That's where they came from. Yep. Yeah. See, I'm not a fucking complete idiot. So that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> So cool. Well, awesome. All right. So gator hunting, that was a success. Um, seems like you're batting a hundred so far. So that's awesome. <laughs> so where did you go back to Georgia for whitetails or what's next on the agenda here? Yep. Next. Yeah. Is, we both uh, killed a whitetail. Same day. Yeah. I, uh, couple days no, apart. Oh, couple fun. days apart. Yeah. Close enough. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was down south near his area that he hunts, and I was up in the mountains. Um, this was like third week of October, I think, is when I killed mine. Uh, he's like a 110 inch eight point, which is pretty good for North Georgia. Oh yeah, um, that's a that's a three to four year old deer on average up here. So it's just different different genetics, you know, from the Midwest. Oh, yeah. But uh, third week of October, we have a week-long black powder, you know, muzzleloader hunt. And uh, it was Sunday evening. I was busy fishing trips all week, all weekend. I had a spare minute, and I said, I'm going to run up to this uh, area I know. It backs up against this national forest piece, and I've got permission to uh, access through the private property. Um, I walked up there and ended up sitting right on the line of national forest. It's probably a mile in, something like that. It's right before you get into some really steep junk. Uh, I got up there to the spot I was going to sit, and I was just sitting on the ground because I wasn't carrying a saddle or a tree stand that far up when I have a uh, you know, a gun in my hand. Uh, I sat down at 4 p.m. up against the log. There was a fresh scrape down there, and I said, well, maybe right at dark, you know, I will uh, catch him coming along the scrape line. Uh, two minutes went by, and he came down checking his scrape line. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I sat for two minutes. Um, I shot him at like 12 yards. He was right on top of me. And I was just laid up against the log, not moving. It was super windy. But uh, he came right beside me and uh, popped him with the muzzle loader, and he ran about 50 yards and piled up. It was uh, not just a super eventful story. It just happened really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Some, hey, you gotta take them when you can, dude. Sometimes they're not That's this right. big. Yeah. Sometimes they're not this big, long, drawn out, like fucking three, four year affair. Sometimes just you go out there and you sit down and you're you're just enjoying yourself. Then a nice deer walks out and you shoot him. Yep, that's uh, it. Don't happen very often like that. So when it does, I take it. <laughs> yep, yep. I'm the same way. That's how my archery buck was last year. I'm like, I ain't gonna say no to this. You know, I'll shoot this. 140 inch bug all day in the first three hours of my first set i'll take it oh hell yeah i will yeah. oh yeah <laughs> so, so sometimes those quick ones are the best oh yeah man it just fires you up you, you feel like the best hunter in the world and then some then somehow that's yeah. how hunting works and it humbles the shit out of you the next year or something yep i mean i've spent whole seasons chasing one single deer and it it'll it'll drain you you know the biggest deer i ever killed i uh, 133 days from the first picture to the day I killed him. Mm. And every day in between them, I was thinking about that deer, trying to figure out how to kill that deer. And then I finally killed him. And I mean, it was, it was a feat, you know, where I killed him at, we fought off poachers. Um, you know, we fought off people just thinking that they can hunt whatever land they want to, because that's just what they do. And that's what they've always done. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just one of those things, but it's like, I finally killed him. And, you know, I was at that point, I was like, you know what? I was like, I beat all these other people after this deer. Everybody knew he was there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I won. Nice. You know, I outsmarted this buck that was just heavily pressured and I got lucky. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and then this year, that buck I shot, Hunter shoots his, I think it was like a yeah, Sunday, Monday morning. I get pictures of this wide, heavy eight-pointer at one of our stands. And I said, you know, I said, I, I might try to shoot that deer because that, that weekend was opening day center fire season in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm going to wait till this weekend. Got pictures of him, got pictures of him. Saturday afternoon, I got in the stand, and uh, he winded me. 
So I, I bailed out, got out of there, went back in Sunday afternoon, and he came in chasing a doe, and I, I piled him up. And two days later, we were in the truck headed to Colorado. Oh, nice. So I was like, yeah. I, I, I texted him and his dad. I was like, I killed that buck. It's like, now we, we're rolling into Colorado heavy. We got to make this happen. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Well, what were you guys using? So, um, Hunter, you said you were doing black powder. Um, yeah. Is is that like a flintlock situation or are you, yeah. are you using inlines? It's an inline. It's a CVA Optima uh, 50 caliber muzzle loader, mm-hmm. uh, 150 grams of loose black powder, you know, pretty pretty standard. We can use scopes on our muzzle loaders, so oh. it does have a little scope on it. Yep, good deal. Yeah, that's a solid muzzle loader, too, honestly. I have a CVA Wolf, and it's a, for the price, it's a damn good muzzle loader. Yeah, and most, if I ever go on uh, some muzzle loader hunt where I may have to shoot long range, you know, I'll probably have to upgrade. But uh, that time of year in Georgia, most of your shots are within 100 yards. So, you know, you don't need nothing too big and fancy. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, those yeah. Optimas are solid. They're, they're, and you can shoot them out to, you know, I think they're pretty dang good out to, you know, 150, even 200 yards, honestly, if you put the time in behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Use a good bullet, good powder yep. system. Yep. And, uh, Taylor, what were you using? Oh, uh, my, my, my 6.8. My six eight western. Oh, there you go. Yep, Perry likes that round. <laughs> oh man, I love that bullet. Yeah, Hunter came to love it too. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that comes into our next story in Colorado. Okay. All right. Uh, Perfect. Is it a is it a is it a Browning or what rifle is it? Yeah. It's okay. A, so it's a Hell's Canyon Speed with a. Oh, uh, I got a loophole VX. I got a VX five sitting on top of it. Nice. Was the. Is it the four to twelve? The three to fifteen. Three to fifteen. Okay. Yeah, it's nice. a it's a fantastic, fantastic little setup. Doesn't weigh much. I think the whole gun is like seven pounds. Yeah, I don't know why I said four twelve. That was not the VX five. It been three. Yeah, You're, yeah. That's it's the same one that I have on mine. Actually, I have that same scope. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good scope. It's a great scope. Oh, it yeah. really is. It's a good. It's my first loophole, and I've I've been. I've loved it. I'll, I'll end up with a VX6 on my next one. <laughs> yep, yep. Just get a little bit, just jump it up just a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I want that. I want that three to eighteen with the bigger, uh, with the bigger tube for more light. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and those that mark the Mark Fives and shit are really nice. That whole Mark series is really nice if you want to get really dialed yeah. in. You know, with a uh, more more tactical or, application as well, but. Yeah, well, every all my guns I build, I I put together for the purpose of like we'll go shoot steel with it. But at the end of the day, like this thing's to kill. Yep. That's that's what it's, and that I've really come to like that VX with the CDS dial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just turn it to what you want and let it eat. There's no thinking. It's just, you know, that's four hundred. Put the scope on four hundred and let it go. Yeah, I really think that that VX five series. It's the perfect hunting line scope from in my opinion yes. i think it's perfect and it's you know it's not that it's not cheap they're they they're a little like i don't know they cost a little bit um but for yeah. a scope that you can switch from uh, uh uh rifle to rifle if you wanted to it's a it's about as perfect as it gets especially if you're using it for yeah. hunting 
and you're keeping it within those reasonable hunting distances of, you know, four or five, 600 yards or so, depending on what, how confident you are as a shooter, it's the perfect scope. Right. Yeah. And me personally, I'm not, I'm not going to shoot an animal past five to 600. So mm-hmm. that 15 power works out great for, for my gun, for my confidence. That, yep. That's that little variable is perfect. I can bring it all the way down to three power and hunt the woods in Georgia or like we were out in Colorado. I could run it all the way up to 15 and reach out if I need to. Yep. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think it's a, it's the perfect, uh, uh, power range as well. I think, um, I yeah. I'm with you. I wouldn't shoot past me personally. I like to, I would, I'm really going to try hard to get within three to 400 yards and I'm a pretty competent, competent shooter. But when you're hunting, I, if you can get closer, I like to get closer, just yeah. like anyone else, obviously. Yeah. But um, for follow-up shots, like say you know get out, you get up in there, and it's like 413 yards, we'll say, and then you shoot them, and they run out to 642 yards. It's like I want to be able to just dial it back, dial it back up a little bit more, and take another yeah. shot if I have to, you know. Yeah. Well, in the simplicity, it's like you know, if you got to put a follow-up shot in, it's like there's. There's a hundred things running through your head at that time, and and the simplicity of just okay, range find it, look at the scope, spin it to what I need, and let it go. Like you're not looking at your dope chart, you're not messing with anything else. It's just put it on there and squeeze the trigger and get this animal in the dirt. Right, and you should already know your um your wind your wind direction and your variability in the wind by that point. After that first shot, you should have already taken all that into account before the first shot. So you already have that all dialed. You're ready to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 with you. And it's like I love I I'd like to hold over as well if I have to. But if you don't have to, then it's so much easier just to take your take your head off the scope a little bit, dial it to the yardage, get back on the rifle and make a shot. Because then you know, just put the crosshairs on where you need to go, hold for wind, and let it rip. Yeah. Yep. yep. Awesome. Well, okay. So take us in. So six eight western. You use that for your whitetail and. uh was that Hunter? Did you say that? Or it leads into the next part? It does. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> Takes us back to Colorado. Yeah. So this year, me and my dad and Taylor all put in for uh, mule deer tags in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, me and dad had three points. Taylor, you didn't have any points, right? No, I didn't. Yeah. So me and dad party applied. And then we made sure to find a unit that also had over-the-counter rifle elk tags that, uh, you know, ran the same season as our mule deer hunt did because Taylor wanted to go out there with us. Yep. Uh, he also put in for a mule deer, but not in our party because when he had zero points and we had three, it would have ended up, I think, giving me and dad 1.5 points worth or something like that, and we probably wouldn't draw the tag in that unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and dad both draw. Taylor did not. But was, uh, Taylor was going to pick up an elk tag. Okay. Was it a rifle mule deer tag that you and your dad got? Yes. Okay. This is a second rifle. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, they call it second rifle, but it's really the first actual rifle hunt. The one before that is muzzleloader. And then some of the units have a special early season rifle tag, but mm-hmm. they call it the second gun tag, you know. So it's last few days of October, first week of November. Yeah, I know we're supposed to be whitetail hunting, but we go to Colorado to uh, endure the misery. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't blame you. That's badass. I want to go. I want to get out there and do a rifle elk real bad to you someday. 
Yes. Um, it is. Uh, we can tell you where not to go. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the first place that we go to, you know, we drive out there. It's a 25-hour drive, something like that. We, uh, we get to this trailhead that I picked out, and we can't get up and access the trail that I wanted to in Dad's truck. It was just an extremely rough road. Um, he's got a, a 2500 Chevrolet Duramax. Okay. And uh, he, don't, he don't have no lift or anything like that on it. And so he was, he was pretty much rock crawling to drive up there. So we had to turn <laughs> around and go to this other trailhead, which it'll take you to the same place. But the trailhead we wanted to access to the area we were going to hunt, you started at 11,000 feet and eventually over six miles made it to 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Well, this new trailhead, it starts out at 8,000 feet and we want to be around 11 or 12,000 feet. So that is some serious elevation gain. Yeah. You know? So we are, we're prepared for it to really suck because we're hiking in about six miles to camp. You know, that's the plan. Our bags probably weighed, uh, Taylor's when he started was probably 75 pounds, would you say? Yeah, every bit of it. Yeah, mine and dad's were sitting around, mine and dad's were sitting around 60. Uh, this is Taylor's first pack in hunt. Really, yeah, we did one small one down here in Georgia, but this is his first big pack in hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, we figured out together, you know, that we figured out some things that we could leave out for next trip because he was way too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we hiked in about four and a half miles and we were going to turn up this mountain and get up high up in the high country because it, it really hadn't snowed much. There was a little bit of snow up really high. So most of the deer and elk were still going to be extremely high. Um, so we turn off the trail, we get, I don't know, half a mile up this steep, steep mountain and we get cliffed out. I mean, it's, it's impossible to go any further. So that's half a mile we gained a thousand foot of elevation. So that's extremely steep. You know, you're walking straight up, pulling trees to get you up there. Mm -hmm. So once we got up, we realized that there was no way to get up any higher and we had to turn around and go right back down. Um, which that, that sucked, you know, that was, that was tough on the morale there. (laughs) We, we eased back down that cliff. Uh, half the time you're having to sit down and slide down the mountain because it's too steep to walk straight down on. Get back down to the bottom uh, near the creek where this trailhead is. We camp there for the night, wake up, go in another two miles on the trail, and we find some pretty stuff down low that had some deer sign on it. So we decided to camp there and hunt. Uh, what did We stayed there four days, right, Taylor? Uh, yeah, we were there from... Opening day, which was Saturday, until we came out, what, Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon? Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, yeah maybe it was Tuesday afternoon. So we really stayed yeah. three days, four plus that one uh, yep. camp that we just had to camp because it got dark. So we was up there hunting. Um, I ended up seeing a bull elk uh, and some small deer, uh, some does and one little bitty small mule deer buck. And, of course, I don't have the elk tag. Taylor does. He's three or 400 yards from me on the other ridge. Um, so I end up seeing a bull elk. I can't shoot it, you know. And Taylor, since he has the elk tag and not a mule deer tag, he saw two mule deer. What, one of them you said was probably 150s, another one was probably 170s. Every bit of 170s. 
Yeah. Damn. So he, he's got the elk tag. <laughs> We're seeing the elk. He's seeing the big bucks. Oh, know? great. <laughs> and then when we sit together, we don't see anything. <laughs> yeah. We sit together. We see squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but we hunted there for those days. Um, the first three days, we had some really cold weather come in with a little bit of snow. And that was pushing the deer out. And, you know, they'd get out of the dark timber into some open stuff where you could glass and see them. Um, after that, it, it really wasn't great hunting weather. It warmed up a little bit. At, when I say warm, it's in the 20s versus, you know, single digits. Uh, so those deer are able to stay in the dark timber longer before they come out where you can see them. Mm-hmm. We, uh, <clears throat> a little side note with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, uh, we had to cross a river up there to get to this one hunting spot. And it's probably, it's about knee deep, wasn't it, in the deepest part? Yeah. So, you know, you can't get your boots soaking wet eight miles back or six miles back, whatever we were at that point. Yeah, it's so a we have to take our Yeah, we have to take our boots and our socks off, roll our pants up as high as we can and strap everything to our backpack <laughs> and cross that river. And that day it was six degrees. You know, oh. about old, cold feet. It was miserable. Oh, it's so hard to warm them back up, too. Moving water. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It was yeah. on top of the moving water. It was so cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, coming back that night after dark, going back to camp, um, the first two or three feet of that creek, and it's it's running water. It's, it's quick. You know, it's mm-hmm. coming down. But the first two or three feet off the bank was actually frozen. So that is some extremely cold water. Mm-hmm. Um, in the dark, crossing it, when I got to the other side, it was uh, it was miserable because you got to stand there for five minutes, you know, and sit down and try to dry your feet off before you put your socks back on. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, that was tough. That was uh, that was almost scary cold. Yeah, that's fucking freezing, dude. So we uh, we decided that we were going to make a move because we quit seeing deer after that next day. It warmed up a little bit, and they quit coming out of the dark timber. Um, so we packed all the way back out to the truck and found this other area down south. And this is uh, this is totally different. This is almost desert muleys. It's real dry, arid. There's some decent-sized hills, you know, and it's steep country, but there's really no big timber. It's pretty open, you know. It looks like rolling desert hills. <clears throat> we go in there, and we really find some deer. Um, we had... Honestly, at that point, we had kind of given up on elk. There, that just really wasn't elk country, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we end up like the second day there. First, I think it was the second morning that we hunted down there in that desert spot. Uh, yep. Taylor, Taylor's with me. We walk up this one little hill, get to the top to overlook the backside. There's this opening down there, and we was just going to sit there and glass all morning. Well, when I get up there. Um, what was there three guys sitting up there that whistled at us something like that yeah yeah okay. everybody was already on side of the mountain yeah it was 30 minutes before daylight but people oh, had already geez. got up there and claimed that spot so we walked down that finger ridge probably six or seven hundred yards to overlook a different area and we could actually see the road from that point i think it was 600 yards or so but uh you know it didn't really matter the deer were still running around right there uh, we sit down and it, it cracks daylight and I see a doe come out down below me and, uh, 
we're we're pretty disappointed not disappointed you know we're out there hunting but we uh i went out there with the intentions of shooting at least like a 115 you know i just wanted something that looked like a mule deer Mm -hmm. but at that point i was like man if i see a legal bug it's it's probably going to get it you know we've (laughs) we've put on 86 miles on our boots so far uh yeah, I want to come home with some mule deer meat. I've never killed a mule deer before. Yeah. What, so what's, we, what's, we see that doe come. Real quick, what's legal? What's legal? Uh, anything over, what was it, three inch? Had to have three yeah, inches. Yeah, anything five. over three inches. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it doesn't take much. So I would say, so pretty low standards uh, then. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, good. So <laughs> we're, uh, for us. We're yeah. pretty desperate at that point. Yep. This doe comes out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, there's a doe down there. You, you can't shoot those, um, which I, I get because of the hard winters and everything. But mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, man, that doe looks delicious. I would have shot her if I legally could have. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sitting there watching that doe, and she turns around and looks right behind her in this bush, and this little bitty forkhorn mule deer comes out, and he's, uh, he's lip curling, you know, he's bumping her around and everything. We got a pretty good show with it. He's uh, 380 yards, and I'm like, you know what? That's my first mule deer. That I'm happy with that. We got a show. I'm gonna pop him. You know, uh, get a range set, 380 yards. I've got a. Uh, actually bought it from Taylor. I've got a 300 wind mag, the uh, Browning Hills Canyon. What is it, max long range? Is that what it's called, Taylor? Yeah, yeah, that's a max long range. Okay, so it's pretty. It's a pretty heavy gun. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I get it set up, dialed to where I want to shoot get steady and i'm like you good he's like yep i boom i send one off and he's like you're high you're so so high and i'm like what yeah, he's like serious? two feet oh shit i'm like are you serious so i get steady again the deer just kind of walked like two yards and looked around you know he didn't know what happened i send another one down he's like you're high but not as high as you was I'm like, what are you talking about <laughs> I, I pull way down. I'm aiming under the deer at this point. I didn't know what was going on. I'm excited. I've never uh, long range shot before in my life besides what I practiced this year. So I just went down four or five clicks. I've got the little, uh, you know, the MMO or whatever it's called, those little ticks on the reticle. MOA. Yeah, MOA. I went down four or five ticks with that and shot. And that time I hit him, but we couldn't tell where I hit. And because he jumps and you know he's running off and i'm like holy crap i'm out of shells you know i'm like shit and i'm digging in my backpack trying to get more bullets out and taylor's like he says fuck them shells use my gun he hands me his 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 gun he's like it's dialed you're good and i get back on the deer he's 400 at this point and i send two rounds down and hit him pretty dang good right behind the shoulder where you're supposed to Mm -hmm. and uh, he just falls over right there so it was a, it was a fiasco. Fuck them and shells. Like, He's my oh. gun. Yeah, fuck them shells. He's my gun. Funny. The funny part about all this is is I'm I'm in the binos, sitting next to him, and it's like third round goes off. I'm like, I, I think you hit the bottom of him. I'm like, but he's not going anywhere, and I'm still looking through the binos, expecting another round to go off. And I hear his zipper open on his bag, and shit is flying. Like, he's ripping <laughs> things out of his bag looking for ammo. And I, like, I come off the binos and look at him. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm out of bullets. <laughs> so, well, fuck it. Here's this one. And it's, I, I picked up my Western, and I just, uh, like, the last range I think we had was, like, 380 or 390. And I just, I put it on 400. I said, here, hit him with it. That it's hot. 
he gets up, he gets on his bag, and I mean that first round he cuts it loose. And, I mean, just squares this mule deer right by the front shoulder, and uh, he's like, "Did I hit it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I hit him again." Racks another and just dumps this mule deer, and it falls in behind this cedar tree. And he's like, where did it go? I said, I, I think it's dead. It's behind that cedar tree. And uh, he said, are you sure? I said, yeah. He goes, I only had three bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so he's – and, and that, that goes back to why I will never put a turret scope on my hunting rifles ever again because he heard me say four, and he dialed to five. And that, that first round was every bit of two feet over this mule deer's back. And then yeah, round two I, uh, was like, it was like eight inches. I was like, dude, you're still high. And at this point, he's just turning dials because he's freaking out. Oh, he's yeah. just turning dials. Bullets bullets are going everywhere. It, <laughs> oh, man. It was, if somebody had videoed it, we, we'd have won an award because that one, that was a good one. Yeah, that was dumb, <laughs> dumb going hunting right there. <laughs> But I, I ended up looking at my scope, and I was like, shit, because I looked at my dope dope chart, and, you know, after everything calmed down, I was like, I'm an idiot. I've got this thing dialed for 550 yards, and I'm shooting at 380. <laughs> so I'm just way over this deer's back. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, it, was, it was a good one. Dude, yeah, I'll tell you I'm, what, the guys on the other side of that mountain were not happy with us that morning. Oh, oh I them. guarantee they were pissed hearing all them bullets. They're like, these guys, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but, Dude. Well, we get, so the the funny part is, is you know, we, we get to this deer, we get him cut up, we get back to the truck, and we pick up Hunter's dad. And uh, he said, until I knew it was you, he said, I'm sitting over here going, God, this idiot can't shoot. He said, come <laughs> to find out, it's you. <laughs> I didn't realize he had texted me when all that was going on. He's like, man, some retard don't know how to shoot their gun, do they? And I was like, that was you. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> what kind of scope did you have on that? Th- or do you have on th- on it, on the, the 300? It's a Vortex Venom. Uh, I think it's a 6. What's the uh, rating on that? Do you remember? It's like uh, a five to twenty-five or a six to twenty-four. Okay, yeah, something like that. All it's, right. it's a working reticle. It's more of a long-range, like turret type with a working MOA reticle. Yep, gotcha. Yeah, let's yeah see, that's that's it, and that's why I like them. Uh, honestly, the the loophole CDS dials makes it about as dummy proof as it gets, dude. It's like oh, four hundred. Okay, four, perfect. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to use the discount code and get in a CDS system. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it makes it it makes it pretty simple. <laughs> and when you're hunting, dude, like, when you're target shooting, it's a totally different type of stress. But it's not like hunting, dude. You know, what I mean? it's like so, especially when you think you're on, and you make you get yourself calm, and you're like, all right, here we go, and you squeeze that first round off, and it does not go anywhere close to where you think it's going to go. Then it's just like, holy fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because like, that fear is going to get away. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, everything tar- falls apart. That first round doesn't land where you want it to. Yep. Yeah, because steel steel doesn't run, you know. So you, you fucking yeah. shank a shot on a on a on a piece of target steel. You're like, ah, crap. Okay, where am I at? Redial. Here we go. 
boom. And then you're it, yep. whatever. But it's like when a deer is moving and shit, you're like, God dang, I need to get another round off as fast as I can. And it's like, then just fucking worst, you know, worst case scenario yep. happens and you're just pissed. Yep. The next thing you know, you're out of ammo scrambling through your backpack. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, I did a podcast with, uh, um, uh, Joe Merchant and he, he was on Hunt Wars and he did that. He was shooting at a, a pretty a f- smaller mule deer. And he had that same thing happen. His yeah. win- his windage got bumped or he was shooting before and he was dialing for his windage. I think it was his windage or maybe it was his turrets were all fucked up and he, he just was not and his spotter. Couldn't see where he was hitting. Cause he was so far off. He's like, I don't know where you're at. He's like, well, fuck. So he just started kind of kept shooting and kept missing, missing, missing. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And he went and redialed it in on a target and he realized his, his turrets were way off. So he's like, fuck dude. And then he went out there and yeah, he tried to shot that a was one really nice. First, deer. I watched that, that was episode. one of the first hunt wars episodes I ever watched. Oh really? Yeah. 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 I wanted to hear that he was on. Taylor, we actually watched it together. And we're sitting here on the yeah. couch like, look at this idiot. He don't know what he's doing. <laughs> and then, yeah. I had Hunter turns around and does it. Yep. <laughs> I had him on early in the in the podcast. I think he was like episode, I don't know, fucking three or something like that. Yeah, I had him yeah. on early, and he was talking about it. I'm like, dang, dude. Well, that sucks, and you know, it's lesson learned, but at the same time, like, good thing you missed that many times, and you end up uh, just acing a shot on a way bigger mule during and, and, and ended up winning. So it all happened for a reason, I guess. Right. But it still sucks. Didn't you, didn't you end up shooting your antelope at, like, 50 yards or something? Everybody else was shooting, like, seven, 800 yards at theirs? Yeah. Well, is uh, I shot mine at 77 yards. Yeah. Is That's what bow range. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said after after he came in, and I'm like, holy shit, this this antelope was close. And I ranged him and kept getting 77, 77. I'm like, no fucking way is that close. I pulled off. I'm like, hey, he's pretty damn close. I'm like, all right. So I just... Kept it because I had my six five uh, zeroed at two hundred, and so I just aimed. He was quartering two pretty pretty good, so I just aimed bottom of his chest and squeezed one off and dumped him. I'm like holy shit, I could have shot him with my bow and yeah. arrow. <laughs> it's funny how that works, isn't it? You practice all that 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 distance and everything else, and then you end up shooting them. They're almost in your face. Yeah, yeah. It was that was dude. That was a little shit show in itself too. It's nuts, but it was so much fun. But yeah, then the other team, he, he was. Yeah, I think he missed a few times at like three, four hundred yards or something like that. But yeah, it was, yep. <laughs> that was a uh, that was a good time. It's just, it, it, that's what makes hunting so fun, though. Too is like and so enjoyable, especially when you're with your buddies. That's what I love about gun hunting as opposed to archery hunting. Which archery hunting is I st- don't know. I love archery, and that's like probably I I love archery hunting, but it's just such a different thing. Like I can't even compare gun hunting to archery hunting because when you're gun hunting you have a good group of dudes with you that's so much fun dude yeah we we had an absolute blast in colorado i mm-hmm. mean we we spent we spent what 11 days in the 10 days in the in the backcountry hunter i mean we were it was me him his dad and i mean all we did the whole time was we cut up we hunted you know i mean we we got our asses handed to us i mean every one of us was exhausted and beat down every day but we get back to the tent at night light the stove and we'd all sit there and you know we'd cut up and bullshit with each other and get up the next morning and start it all over again oh yeah dude that's the best so much fun 
it was but. a lot of fun. That's what that's what I love about Western hunts. Mm-hmm. A, a good group of people, and what the archery elk hunting is really cool too. Because if you want to hunt with your buddy, it actually really helps to mm-hmm. be able to have somebody falling back behind you. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Those Western um, elk camps are so much fun because even you know archery season, like generally archery season in the Midwest and um, where you guys are at. Whitetail hunting, archery equipment is generally a solo sport. Um, yes. Cause you're sitting in a tree stand, yep. whatever, you know, unless you're filming and you have your buddy with you filming and whatnot, but generally you're by yourself and it's a solo sport. But when you get out west, it's a, then it turns into a team sport real quick and that's awesome. That's so much fun. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yep. It's really fun to be able to have a whole good group with you. Oh, yeah. So, Hunter, you got your first mule deer. Yes. Okay. So my that, dad also killed a mule deer. I think his was a what was it? was it a three by two or a three by three? Taylor, do you remember? Four four by three. It had a split. Four by three. Yeah. Oh, it nice. was a, yep. It was it was just a decent rack deer. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, which that was that was phenomenal. You know, we had a ball. We loved it. We went out there and we got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so far this year, me and dad hunting together. A hundred percent success on all of our hunts, and we've never done this before. This was, you know, we're That's, like, oh dang, we got we got one more hunt coming up. We have to get it done, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, no pressure, nothing. But you guys are hundred percent at this point, so <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, and Taylor, you did not get an elk then, right? No, we we looked we looked for another couple of days. I think what another three days we looked for elk hunter yep. after that. And we just, dude, we couldn't find them. Every time we'd get in the nastiest, deepest stuff we could possibly find, and we'd run into a local, and they're like, y'all are in the right spot. They just aren't here this year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's that that seemed to be everywhere we went. Is the Every local we ran into, uh, you know, his, his dad's buddy from high school lives out there, and he was like, look, he said, I'll tell you exactly where my honey hole is. He said, y'all are welcome to go in there and see if you can't find one. And I mean, sure enough, we went in there, and I mean, there was nothing. Damn. They just weren't there. So like, you're yeah, not you're not seeing a sign or nothing. No, the only sign um, we're seeing is like September sign. It's mm. it's over a month old. Jeez. So we uh, it turned out we most most time we was looking for elk, we were around eleven thousand feet. Um, I talked to a couple locals after we got home. Uh, via Facebook, I just posted some pictures in a group with that area, mm-hmm. and the only people that killed elk on that hunt, they, they said for some reason, whether it be that we've not had a good snow to push them down or not yet, he said that most of the elk had, uh, even the ones that were living at 11,000, when they got hunting pressure, they all went up to like thirteen or 14,000. Oh, no Which is shit. weird. By that point, by that point, they had already made. Normally, they would have already made their way down, migrating, but uh, they just hadn't made it there yet. Was it? Yeah, that's weird, huh? It was there not a lot of snow. No, no. Okay, so there was up really high. There was probably maybe six inches. Okay, and the elk just feed right through that. You know, yep. they don't want to leave that mountain until they have to. Right, that's one thing I've always heard about elk in the mountains and stuff is like they will not leave the the tops until they have to, and that's when it's completely covered in like a good amount of snow. And then they're like, okay, fine, I can't dig through the snow anymore, so let's yeah, keep like, going down. 
Yeah, like three or four feet before they want to come down. Yeah, I mean, they're big, so they can feed through a decent amount of snow. So they're, they'll stick it out as long as they can. Yeah, we just got unlucky on that one, but we're going to go back try again in September. Nice. Yeah, awesome. we're, we're taking uh, – this year we're going to take them to our archery hole. Uh, and it's – I've been there three years, and I've killed bull elk twice. And the first year I drew back on a bull elk. So I would say you're in the right spot then. Yeah, if we take Taylor and we don't see any elk, I'm just not going to take him elk hunting anymore because for some reason he, <laughs> he shows up and they all leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> Probably because they know he can shoot, so they're like, fuck, dude, we got to get out of here. Yeah, they see me and they're like, this idiot don't know what he's doing. Yeah. stupid ginger. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, look at this dumbass in the fucking tree. He's just sitting up there. What's that? What's that all about? What the hell? There's a fat guy in a tree. This is not an elk hunter. We're fine, guys. Right. Yeah, we're good. He's just hanging. He's just hanging out there. It's fine. That's the biggest damn squirrel I've ever seen. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, so it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, that'll be fun. So uh you you guys leave Colorado, get a couple mule deer in you. So then did you head to Kansas after this then? Yep, my next uh, next hunt's Kansas. Okay, uh, so we, I, uh, I've been keeping up pretty well then. Yep, made it back to Georgia. Um, I hunted around a little bit. Uh, we have two buck tags in Georgia. I hunted probably three or four days in between these hunts. But we've got two weeks until we leave for Kansas, so I was mostly just working. Um, mm-hmm. Before hunting season, like through the summer, I work extreme amount of hours uh with the fishing and hvac you know hvac by itself when it's hot you know i'm 60 or 70 hours uh and then i run as many fishing trips as i can around that mm-hmm. um because you know doing all these hunts it's, it's very expensive so towards the end of the season um, i'm getting low on funds you know yeah. uh so i pretty much just worked when i got back uh ran some fishing charters stuff like that and then we're heading out to Kansas. Uh, it was, I think, the last two days of November is when we left, and we hunted the first week of December, I believe is what it was. And this is also a rifle hunt. I'm normally an archery guy, but this was the year of the gun, I guess. Yep. So we head out to Kansas, and we're hunting with one of my dad's friends and his son, so it's two father-son guys, and there's a few other guys coming into camp as well that we met. Uh, we're going with Misty Morning Outfitters out of Alden, Kansas. Uh, the outfitter's name is Matt Yancey, and this guy is absolutely top-notch. Um, he, he's, he's a little bit more expensive than most paid whitetail hunts, but he doesn't run very many hunters every year compared to the amount of land that he has. Mm-hmm. He tries to keep his farms really fresh. Um, he's running like 200 cell cameras. He's got farms in six different counties. Um, okay. He is uh, he is very good at uh, getting his clients on deer. So this is our first time going out there. Tim, my dad's friend, he's been out there three years, three times, something like that. So we get out there. We meet everybody. Um, and the way he hunts out there is uh, he, he drops you off uh, to wherever you're going gives you a pen on onyx and tells you how to get to the blind and he gets you in those blinds about an hour and a half before daylight and then you sit until very dark and then you sneak out 
Um, he kills a lot of his big deer in the morning on those feed, uh, on those fields, you know, where they're feeding and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he sends you in in the dark really, really early. That way, hopefully, you can sneak in without bumping some stuff, and you can catch that early moving, uh, that early morning movement right after uh, sunrise. Mm-hmm. So it it's long sits. You know, it's very cold out there. It's in the teens and the twenties. You know, every morning. Uh, when we first got there, there was probably four inches of snow on the ground. Um, so I'm hunting this. Uh, it was a cut bean field, but the farmer had uh, planted winter wheat on it for the first couple days. Uh, the very first morning I get in there, there's snow on the ground, and it's an absolute full moon. So it is an hour and a half before legal light when I get to my blind. But, man, you can see like it's daylight, you know, out in the middle of the field with snow mm-hmm. on the ground and a full moon. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing deer come out and feed around. And that morning, I actually see the deer that I'm hunting before legal light by like an hour. Uh, he's out there for 20 minutes feeding. And then right before legal light, he goes back in the woods. So I'm like, dang. You know, I'm just looking at him in my binoculars and my scope. And it's pitch dark outside, but I can see him no problem. I just can't shoot him because, you know, it's way too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hunt that spot two more days. Um, I never see that shooter again. My dad ends up killing a 150-something-inch 10-pointer the third day. Uh, he shot it at, he said it was 410 yards, something like that. Oh, shit. Uh, he shot, did a perfect shot on it, you know, bolted, got another round in, and that deer is kind of trotting towards him. And he knew he hit it. He just, you know, anytime you know you hit something and you can still see it, he tries to put another round in it. Yep. Uh, so yeah. he shot again and actually ended up hitting him in the neck. But uh, he dropped right there, you know, a deer ended up moving like 30 yards. So we've got three, four, five, six. We've got three more days to hunt. And, you know, Dad's giving me the pressure. He's like, dude, we've been 100%. I'm 100%. <laughs> are you going to be 100%? You know, he's been giving me shit the whole time. Yep. It comes to the last day of the hunt. He had moved me around to a couple different spots. And the evening before the last day, that, that shooter daylighted again uh, right before dark. He said, I'm sending you back to the first spot. Uh, you know, we're going to drop you off re- real early like you have been. Just sit all day. So I get in there that morning. Um, don't see any deer till about 9 a.m. Uh, a few does come out with a small eight-pointer. He's probably 120, 130s, bumping them around. Um, so I watched him and filmed him a little bit with my phone, you know. Uh, through the rest of the day, I just saw some more does and some little bitty bucks. And right as the sun's going down, uh, a seven-pointer comes out. The seven-pointer is probably – he's probably pushing 120 as a seven. So he's a pretty, oh, nice. pretty cool deer. Yeah. You know, he's a three-year-old. Um, he's going to be something real special if he stays a seven-pointer mm-hmm. and gets some more on him. So I watched him. You know, that was pretty cool to see. It's getting dark, right? It's, it's two minutes, and legal shooting light is done. I'm like, okay, it's time to pack up. Uh, I pick up my binoculars, put them in my backpack, pick up my bag of snacks, put them in the backpack, check my phone. I'm like, okay, I've got, I think it was four minutes at that point to a legal lot. Um, and I look up and there's a new deer in the field. And I'm like, what is that? And uh, he goes over to this corn pile because you can bait in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And he's bunching on that corn. And I look at him through my scope and he's head down facing around, uh, facing away from me but the deer's frame goes out past his body. And I'm like, oh, that's that's got to be a big enough deer. And there's actually a cell camera set up on that corn pile. So I pick my phone up, and I've got one minute of legal light left. Oh, and I'm like, oh crap. 
and I text the guy, and I say, that's him, isn't it, on your cell camera? And my dad is riding with him because he had just left the uh, lodge to go pick up one of the guys. He was like 40 minutes away, mm-hmm. uh, so we had a little bit of a ride. He was going to go ahead and go on over there, and my dad rode with him. And he said that guy had slammed on his brakes and stopped in the middle of the road, picked up his phone, looked at the, looked at the uh, camera, and all he texted me was, yes, shoot. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I look up, I look at my time, it's still legal light, that deer turns perfectly broadside, I shoot, he drops in the corn pile, I call Matt, and he said it was 32 seconds after he sent me that text that I shot that deer. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was taking it down to the wire, literally the last minute of legal light on the last day. Yeah, I'd say. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a that was a uh, down to the wire there. Yeah, that's but, uh, badass though. He is big time, the biggest deer I've ever killed. Um, he scores one forty seven as a nine pointer, but he only has two inches of brow time, so he's just Ooh. big frame. Yep, you know he's got six and a half inch bases and just a really big framey deer. Yeah, you said one forty two. 147. Oh, 147. Oh, yeah. So he's got a frame on him. Because my my one, I shot at one that just broke 140 last year that I was talking about a little earlier. And he's a nine point. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking like framey nine points. It's like it, when you're talking like pushing, you know, 150 inches as a nine point, that's a lot. That's, that's a framey deer. And he ain't got no brows. So that's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's a his frame is really impressive. Frame wise, it smokes the ten pointer that my dad killed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Dad had like four or five more inches than I did, just because you know he's got a couple more points. Sure. Um, this deer's crazy. He's got a. It really looks like a split main beam, but uh, technically it's considered a split G two. So oh his yeah. Beam comes up and just barely up off the beam on his G two. He's got a really big split. That split, I think, is 10 inches coming off of the G2. And then that G2 itself is 11 and a half. So he's just a crazy looking deer. That's awesome, dude. So what did you say the outfitter's name was? Uh, His name is Matt Hancy, and their operation is called Misty Morning Outfitters. Okay, that's awesome. Can you disclose how much a hunt like that costs? I think it's thirty five hundred. Let me look up to be positive. His archery hunts are a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. I'll pull it up right here to make sure. But uh, he is a he is a top notch guy, super friendly. That's cool. And we got to talking, and I think we're actually going to do a moose hunt together within the next five years. Oh, sweet! Yeah, he has actually been talking to the same guys that. Uh, uh, Austin Chandler and them went out with uh, Papa Bears. Oh, okay. Isn't that where they went with? Yep. Yeah, he's actually been talking to that guy, and he was getting a hunt planned. And he's like, we need two more people. You and your dad want to do it? And we're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, we do. Yeah, they had a blast on that moose hunt. Yeah, so a, a five-day rifle hunt is four grand. Oh, that's fucking pretty sweet. Um, and... Do they have like a? Are they shooting like one forty minimum or one thirty minimum or what? 
most of his farms have a 130 inch minimum. Okay. He does have a few special farms that are 150 minimum. Holy shit. Um, yeah, the, the Tim, the guy that went out there with us, he did not kill a deer. And the only reason why he did not kill a deer is he was hunting a very, very special deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like want to just throw out numbers, but I'm talking like, 230 inch class special deer holy shit yeah and yeah. he saw it the first the first two days and the deer was 20 yards off the property uh, 150 yards away so he uh he said no i'm sitting over there i'm not going anywhere else hopefully that deer will mm-hmm. come back out yep nope <laughs> I, i'd be doing the same fucking thing i'm like nah i'm good i'll park you right here yeah. and see what happens yep but uh Damn, but he's don't move on a 200-incher. Yeah, he no. had three different deer on his properties that he had that was over 210 inches this year. Jeez. Uh, yeah, he has whew. some seriously deer. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd, uh, I'd probably shoot one of them. Oh, yeah. yeah I was, uh, <laughs> Tim was telling me, he was like, yeah, man, he was 10 yards off the property, but I don't know that property owner. I don't know how Kansas is. I just couldn't do it. And I was like, Oh, dude, that dude. is a testament to how good of a person you are. Yep, that's when those intrusive <laughs> there, intrusive thoughts start seeping in. You're like, ah, maybe I didn't see the fence. I don't know. Exactly. There's a <laughs> lot of people that would have shot that deer, ran over there, drug it across, and no mm-hmm. one would have ever known. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of people that would have done that. But that's that's good. Yeah. You know, you got to keep it. That's the only th- – he did, he did the right thing. Hard. Hard to do the right thing sometimes, but he did the right thing. Very hard. Man. Yeah, that that deer's G two had five different points off of it. Jeez, oh fucking Pete's. Yeah, every one of those points was over four inches too. It's, Holy shit! It, look, it looks like a high fence deer. It's it's stupid looking. Just ridiculous. Oh, that's nuts, man. Well, fuck. That's I mean. So you and your dad are one hundred percent success then. Still, yep, we uh, renamed the season. We're, this is 100%. This is probably the only year we ever do it. That many different out-of-state hunts and hunts in Georgia and different tags. We uh, we were 100%. Because he, he also killed a buck in Georgia. It was probably a 120-ish, eight-pointer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's solid, yep. though. That's good. Oh, yeah. Man, that's badass. Yeah. That's really cool. And, Taylor, you didn't go to Kansas, did you? No, no, they okay. they had that hunt planned for the last what two or three years, Hunter. Yeah, Dad booked and it's paid been for a while. me and him to go four years ago. Oh no, no kidding. Yeah. What? Why yeah. it takes so long? Yeah. Just build like you have to get. Is that a was it a points thing or? No, that's uh, it. It's almost impossible to get booked with this guy. He's so far out. Oh, okay. Um, and like I think he said, ninety six percent of his clients rebook. And he only takes a certain amount of hunters every year, so mm-hmm. it's really hard to get in. Well, that makes sense, and that's what Austin pretty much does. He has he put it out there where he's going to start selling hunts, and he had some p- people early on say they want to do it, and they did it, and then they're like, well, can we rebook? He's like, sure. So he just keeps the same guys coming back, and he doesn't really take on any other new clients because he just has these recurring clients, and they're all happy. So it makes everyone happy. It's awesome. Yep, and that's how you makes his life easier. It, mm-hmm. That's how you know you've got a good outfitter if people want to come back year after year, or like this place is pretty much every other year to be able to draw that tag. Yep. Uh, it normally takes one point to get it, 
And that's just a testament to a really good outfitter. You know, if people want to come back year after year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, judging off of your previous pre- previous experience with outfitters, I mean, that's nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I got burned on a couple of whitetail hunts too. But, oh, did you? Uh, that's just, yeah, yeah. Just a guy that takes way too many hunters. Uh, he used to be really good. He got too big for his britches, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't didn't really run cameras the way he should. He just kind of did like a shotgun style. He would just send everybody to every farm that he had and yeah eventually somebody's going to kill some good deer because you've mm-hmm. got 25 people in camp sure but uh that's my opinion that's not a, a really caring outfitter but, no uh, no i i I, I would agree and that's why like with our with um with working with working class bow hunter and stuff uh through africa especially like i mean kurt's been approached by a bunch of different african outfitters and stuff but uh it's just you know to go all the way out to africa you really want to make sure that you're getting a good experience and all that stuff and that's when we found he found stewart and started working with stewart pringle and all that good stuff and it's like he puts on a really really you know solid operation he's not trying to overhunt his rant the the farms that he's on and all that good stuff so really uh it's it's it, you'd be surprised at how many people um, just have good properties, and then they're like, "Well, fuck, I'm gonna start outfitting," and then they just fuck everything up. Yeah, because like you yeah, said, you get too it. big for your, yeah, you get too big for your britches, and I think that happened a lot in Wisconsin when they were um, back in the heyday, like the '90s and stuff, '90s and the 2000s, and Wisconsin and <laughs> Illinois actually. In the Illinois, they called it like the Golden Triangle with like Pike County and all that stuff. They, and then all of the outfitters That's all moved you in heard there. for years. Oh, yeah. Pike County, Illinois. Pike County, like, Illinois. Pike County, like? Illinois. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to go there. Five to 2010, it's like, oh, you got to go to Pike County. You got to go to Pike County. Yeah. Now everybody you talk to that's been there is like, dude, you see like a 110-inch deer, it's a good day. Yeah, yeah. And they're it, all dead. Yep, and they were killing true giants back then. And that's why everyone kept monsters. going. Everyone kept going back. Yeah. It's like there's so many monsters down there. And, uh, yeah, they just completely fucked everything up. Like, outfitters are great, but, man, they can be the worst at times, too. Like, they're just some. When you you work around areas with bad bad outfitters and they just completely fuck an entire area with um, pressure pressure in deer, selling selling their previous hunts, being like, hey, we killed this fucking 180-incher like six years ago. It's like, okay, what did you do last year? Ah, wow. Man, yep. I don't know. Two you know, spikes and a dope. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, man, and they can get so ruthless when it comes to hunting. Like, even in Iowa, like there's certain spots where you're you get into an area. If you're just driving around, you stop to, um, to glass a field. You, you know, it's not illegal to look at deer. But I've had people come to me like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like looking at these deer. I'm like, you better not be thinking about going in there. I'm like, I'm not. I'm just looking at them. I'm hunting like way over there. But I just like to drive around yeah. and look at deer. And like, well, all right, this is my spot, so you better back the fuck off. I'm like, dude, chill. Like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> fucking relax. Every day and take pictures of these deer. This is illegal. <laughs> yeah, like, what I'm doing is not illegal. And don't worry, I'm not going to fucking trespass you, psycho. But, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some, some officers like, get rough. Yeah, it, 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 gets, it gets really rough. You know, like, we got, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough down here that one of my now – Probably one of the best friends I've, I've got. You know, I met him a couple of years at work, and his dad's property is is what we hunt, and it's like twenty eight hundred acres, but it's it's kind of broken up in some patches. But 
the amount of people that knock on his dad's door, like, Hey, can I go hunt that over there? Like, like, no, it's, it's family only, you mm-hmm. know, Hey, can I hunt this? Can I hunt that? And, uh, the, the biggest deer we've ever killed on, well, actually biggest deer ever killed on this property in the 30 something years they've owned it was we were standing in the driveway and some guy pulled in and asked if he could hunt. And, uh, you know, we told him, no, you know, we hunt it. And he goes, man, he said, I seen a giant in the field over here by the road. And, you know, we kind of, yeah, uh-huh, you know, sorry, bud. You know, we, we hunt, don't worry about it. Kind of brushed it off. And uh, two weeks later, uh, Matt shoots a 156-inch mainframe eight-pointer. Dude. In the, in the same spot that that guy was like, there's a monster in that field over there. We're like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we never knew this deer existed. Oh. And, I mean, 156-inch mainframe eight with, you know, he had a little bit of junk. But, I mean, just an absolute brute of a deer for, oh, yeah. for Georgia, too. Oh, yeah, that's a big but deer, dude. You know, but we, we deal with it, you know. we And we see people, and, and I kind of get it, you know. If, if We see people stop all the time on the side of the road, and they're looking at deer in our field, and it's like, you know, is this guy about to pull a rifle out of his window, or are they just True. looking? So it's like I kind of understand the, like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, because um, you know we we have had people just drive out into the field next to his dad's house and try to shoot deer. Oh no, shit! Daylight. Damn. All right, yeah, well, they just drive out there and do what they want. Maybe I was being a little too harsh for some of those for that guy that stopped me. I guess, but I'm like, dude, it's archery season. Yeah, now. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be a dick about it, right? You know, it's like you know sometimes you're like, hey, you know, keep you know keep moving along but just to be assholes to people it doesn't really do you a lot of good right well and i think um, i think well, a, i could understand yeah i think a little piece of me is i'm like uh in certain areas certain aspects of my life like i choose to be like willfully ignorant i guess just because i'm like i don't want to get pissed off and like jaded but uh you know so i yeah. just i just i just assume that most people out there hunting are doing the right thing but there's yeah. definitely some that aren't. So I, I guess I, I, I suppose maybe I should, uh, yeah. be a little less harsh. In my, my own head. I don't know. And maybe someone tried to put, um, trespassing and poaching deer like the, like the week prior. I don't know, but you would be surprised how much yeah. people will trespass and, and how many times people like when you catch them, they just act like it's no big deal. Like, oh, well, I've been like, doing oh, this well, forever. You know, it, yeah, yeah, that's that's like, one thing the the hunting culture in Georgia. Um, we have a bad. lot of illegal activity with hunting. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, it's a it, there's a lot of spotlighting, a lot of killing way over your limit, stuff like that. We've yeah, and our and, limit's twelve. Yeah, we yeah, can we kill twelve deer. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me go on a little bit of a rant real quick. Okay. The, Georgia could have really, really nice deer hunting. We have a very good population of deer, and when our deer make it to five and six years old, they're really damn big. But our limit of 10 does and two bucks on private land, yada, yada, you know, that's that's pretty liberal. You know, that's a lot of does, mm-hmm. and that's two bucks. You know, that's pretty good. But all of our WMAs, almost all of them, Throughout the year, they have what's called bonus buck hunts. You can kill two bucks that the state tags for you. If you bounce around public land correctly, you can kill like 30 bucks in Georgia a year. Jeez. Holy fucking shit, dude. That's bad. Yes. And that really, really irks me. Um, There's people out there, and it's legal, you know. Yeah, it's legal. You're not doing anything wrong technically. 
But I know people it's who are just paying right. bucks every year. Mm-hmm. When I was a little kid, I was seven or eight years old. Um, I didn't know no different. I would go with my dad to all these different public lands. Hey, yeah, I was whacking deer. I caught, I killed twelve bucks in one year one time when I was like thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I grew up and I learned more about things, I'm like, well, maybe I don't ever see any big deers because we kill all the little bitty deer, you know? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That, that irks me about this state, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I have a buddy. You'll see guys shoot 30 bucks and not one of them's bigger than a six pointer. Oh geez. Yeah. That's that's rough. You did that everywhere. You know, how many other people are doing it? Oh yeah, for sure. And we can't, Hunter's right. We can grow big deer. I mean, this, this place that I hunt now, and and I've got a, so you know who Seek One is. Yep. You know the famous Atlanta uh, uh, deer hunters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, a guy I the work urban, with urban guys, right? Is, yeah. So the guy I work with, his farm is thirty minutes south of of out of my farm, um, and Seek One just did an episode there a couple weeks ago. It's the, the episode about the overpopulated farm. Hmm. Um. But they grow, they grow 140s, 150s down there every year. We've killed two deer over 150 here. We've killed, I think, two over 140 and two over 130 in the last three years that we've hunted this place between three of us. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, in Georgia, that's you're getting after it. You're killing deer like that. Yeah, for sure. I have yeah. a, so if, if there we was, have uh, the ability. Yeah. This just, past you got to keep people away. Yep. Two weeks ago, when I was in Kansas, um, there's a piece of public up here in North Georgia that uh, you basically, you pretty much have to pack in to hunt. It is extremely big mountains. Um, there was a 182-inch deer killed up here, but the guy walked in like 12 miles and camped for four days. And, you know, he wasn't running cameras or anything like that, but he just got far enough back where these deer don't get slaughtered every year. Mm-hmm. And there's some big old bucks back there. You know, mm-hmm. an 174 inch deer, that's, that's a stud, you that's know. a fucking Mondo. That's a giant. That's a giant yep, anywhere. That's a of, giant. And that came out of mountains, you know, yep. hardwood, Appalachian mountains. Yep. So yeah, we that, can do it. They just, they have to get old. Most yep. of our deer are dead at two years old. Yep. That's a giant yep. deer anywhere in the world. Like that's a giant deer in Iowa, fucking Kansas, oh, yeah. where, anywhere. That's a giant. So they can yeah, definitely get big. Walk. Yep. Yeah. And I get, you know, if you want to shoot a, a little deer, I don't care. You want to shoot a spike, I don't care. But don't shoot twenty of them a year. Right. You know. Yeah. That's where the state needs. Yes. To, that's where the state kind of needs to jump in. That's where, like, maybe us sports as sportsmen need to kind of step up and be like, maybe we shouldn't shoot so many deer. Like, you know, it kind of maybe we should leave some of them alone to get a little bit of age on them. But yeah, I don't know. Then you start getting into yeah. wishy-washy territory there. And then there's always someone that has a really liable, you know, ex- like reason why they think it should stay the same. But at the same time, you're like, yeah. man, I don't know. Like in Michigan, yeah. Michigan guys talk about that all the time. You're like, fuck, we, like, yeah. it's hard to get deer over 110 inches in Michigan. It's because there's so many hunters, and they're also a two buck state. And a lot of them, a lot of people bitch about that two bucks, um, two buck thing. But then they're going out there and they're shooting two bucks. It's like, well, stop shooting two yeah. fucking bucks if you want bigger deer. And like, well, everyone else is doing it. It's like, okay, like, yeah. But then I don't know. You just need to do maybe a little bit better job of like, organizing and getting laws changed if that's truly what you want. But I think like what Hunter was saying that that 
that change starts with you, you know. If you don't see what you're wanting to shoot, then don't shoot it. Right, right. Well, the other issue is, is we have a three-month-long centerfire rifle season. That's a long fucking time. Now, gun season in Georgia starts the third Saturday in October, and it ends the second Sunday in January. Whew, that's a long right, time. It, and they get absolutely slaughtered. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm a gun guy, and I love guns no, and it, shooting guns, and I, I love hunting I love, with guns. But that's a lot of fucking. That's a I long time to be shooting shooting deer with center fires, especially it when is, you it, kill that many deer. Oh yeah, that too. I mean, you can lay them down down here. It's not hard. Like you know, like our place, it's it's really nothing if you see ten to twelve deer a sit at our place. I mean, and that's that's common. That's like bad weather, full moon. Like I, I you know, I saw. I saw seven or eight deer tonight. It was a slow night. You know, so it's not hard to kill that many deer here. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's like, you know, and then that's that, why they get killed. that farm down <laughs> south, right, and that, that farm down south that my buddy's got, them Seek One Boys go to, they, they have a biologist every year. They had to kill 45 does and 15 bucks off that farm this year because it was overpopulated. Oh, shit. On a... On a thousand acres, you had to shoot that many deer. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. Uh, they say like, I'm sorry. Average numbers like what four deer per acre is supposed to like like healthy. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yep. I, I I did an episode with Derek Verbeek, and we were talking about our guns. Um, I I didn't have a tag, so I was just filming. But we went to this one. They got his group got access to this one farm, and I think it was like seven hundred acres or so. And there had to have been fucking 200 plus deer on that farm, dude. Because we ended up, we he had 30 depredation tags and we went in there and they killed 28 does off that farm Woo. in like three hours, dude. It was fucking nuts. It was like, dude, it was like, it was like, um, it was like flushing coveys of quail. It was nuts. It was absolutely fucking insane. And there's this deer, deer everywhere, everywhere. everywhere. It is crazy. And that farmer that I tell you um, what, he farms that, and he's like, dude, they're just de- de- decimating the uh, the corn. So we sh- went in there and shot a shit ton of deer. And but you have to do that in certain areas. You know, you have to get out there, even if you're not killing them. You have to at least disrupt them enough to get them pushed off of certain areas because that many deer in one spot like that—that's insane. That's too much. Oh, yeah, and there's certain areas in Georgia, like he was saying, that you do need to whack down some does. Yep. You know, and that's why we do have that liberal doe bag limit. But, you know. Not everywhere. Not everywhere. Like, you come up here in the mountains, we have a much lower uh, deer population once you get back in there. It cannot sustain a bunch of does getting killed, Mm -hmm. which is why most of the places are buck only, Mm public-wise, because we do know that up there, uh, for one, they're not jumping out and hitting people's vehicles, so the car insurance don't care about those areas. Right. But uh, there's not as many deer. You know, there's not as much food. Yeah, and and that's how it is in well, Iowa too. Not it, not every every not every county in Iowa has you know a shit ton of deer. Like my county where I live is, we have deer, but it's not it's not like it is in southern Iowa or northeast Iowa or anything anything like that. So we are only allowed as residents in my county to get one doe tag for my county and that's if you wake up early enough and get them i think they only have maybe a hundred 
uh, doe tags for my county that they give out. So, but then you go, I go an hour, an hour east, or I go in, you know, two hours south or something like that. Then we're, you're talking, you know, 2,500 plus doe tags that just never get filled. So you can go down there and basically shoot unlimited does if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like like upper hunters that we could we could pack in on those mountains and between two of us spend four or five days up there and we might see two deer all week. Yep. Like but, the, the numbers just aren't there. Yeah. And but, then like yeah. that one guy shoots that one seventy four, like he just got lucky and that's the one deer that walked by him. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you get far enough back there you can't find some old deer. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can. But I will say the one nice thing about Georgia's long gun season is like, you know, this year, um, you know, we got we got back from Colorado. I had a day left before I had to go back to work and um uh, you know, I've got I've got a little one, he's he's eight. It's funny, his name's Hunter as well. Um <laughs> you know, I was I was outside washing all my gear and putting everything to putting everything away and whatnot and he was like kind of walking around the house and said, like, Do you wanna go hunt tonight? He's like what you know? What's the chances we're gonna see something? I said, bud. I said I got a food plot. I guarantee you, we see deer. I was like, let's <laughs> go. You know, we 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 jumped in the truck and and I hung a stand for for him or you know my buddy's daughter to hunt um, back in the summertime. And uh, you know I've got this one field. It's got a feeder in it, and no matter what, there's deer in this field mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, so it's perfect for kids. Mm-hmm. So we. We shoot over to the farm. You know, luckily I'm 20 minutes away. We shoot over, run up the road, jump in this stand, and and we're sitting there for probably 45 minutes or so, and that feeder goes off. And I, I, I looked at him. I said, better pay attention. They're coming. And, I mean, it wasn't three minutes later. I look over, and here comes this buck. He come right out of the bottom, cruises out in the field, and, like, he looks at me, and he's like, are we shooting that deer? I said, we're, we're killing that deer. Said, Get the gun. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets on him and, and his little 243 is at my dad's house which is like an hour and a half away so i gave him my six eight. Oh shit and i was like here as you know I'm, I, I had to help him a little bit that's a little too much gun for him i was uh-huh. like i'm like holding it i said just tell me when you're ready and i'll make him stop and he's like okay i made that deer stop and i mean i don't even think i got done making a noise and gun goes off and he blisters this buck this deer runs off, falls over in the field. I mean, the whole stand shaking so much that between him shaking and me shaking, it took a while for either of us to be able to use our legs. But, <laughs> you know, it, but most places, if we, you know, if I didn't have that long gun season, you know, Hunter and I go do what we want to go do, I wouldn't have been able to come home and just, you know, randomly on a Tuesday grab the rifle and the little one and go hunt. Mm-hmm. So it's got its parts, but it still has its downfalls. For sure. There's pros and cons to everything, dude, you know? Yeah. So. But that was probably the highlight of my season was, was him, him him killing his first deer. Yeah, that's badass, dude. That's super cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward, you know, after, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. My daughter's 11, so. Us. Yeah, he's he's eight. He'll be, uh, he, he turns nine tomorrow, actually. Oh, nice. Well, happy birthday, dude! So, <laughs> yep he he's he's enjoying it now. That's awesome. But hey, you know, that, I mean that that's uh, an amazing season for both you guys. Honestly, um, 
it sounds like a, a season that's probably never going to get topped, at least in the near future. So I oh, wait till next year. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We're well, Elk and Muley's next year. Okay. Well, I'll be waiting, dude. <laughs> After that happens, then you have to get back on and tell us everything that happened that, um, during that hunt, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Do, doing my elk hunt. Get Hunter to call one in. Yeah. Yeah. Doing my elk hunt in September. Um, we've got a spot with Misty Morning now. Whenever we draw a tag, we probably won't draw next year. Um, mm. If we don't draw, I'm coming to hunt some Illinois public land. Oh, perfect. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely have to reach out to, like, Kurt and the guys and see if they know of any public down there that, you know, I know Scotty, he pounds quite a bit of public, too, so definitely have some yeah, have good to. resources that you can reach out to. Yeah, I'll have We're to. We're going to hit that Florida down. public land, too. Oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, sad, sadly, Taylor is moving to Florida for his job, yep. so oh. I'm going to have my little buddy running around with me all the time now. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Well, Florida's pretty right. sweet, uh, up New opportunities. That's right. Yeah, new opportunities. I've got a center console. He's going to be four and a half hours from the house. I'll just drive down there and fish with him. There you go. <laughs> yep. I say we are. Uh, we're going to. We're doing like kind of a send away hunt camp with him uh, on New Year's weekend. We're going to go down where I killed my alligator and do our wood duck hunt. So mm. we'll, we've got a good group going down there. We're going to have a good time. Nice. That'll be awesome, dude. Been working on the duck boat all day. <laughs> sweet that's cool and florida florida doesn't suck though so no it won't be bad i'm i'll be uh i'll be about an hour north of uh destin right off of 10 okay i have no idea where the I'll, fuck that's at the but it sounds, sounds cool it's panhandle <laughs> florida do you know where panama city is uh i've heard of it yeah it's in the panhandle okay so it's Right, right below Georgia, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, gotcha. Yep, yep. Yeah, dude, I'm not gonna lie. Um, there's certain states I have, like, honestly, nothing. I don't know shit about. The only thing I know about Florida, just like everyone else, I'm sure, is like Miami. I don't even know where fucking Orlando's. I just know Disneyland. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> those are places that I don't want to go to. No, no, I wouldn't want people. to either. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's packed. Talk about overpopulation. Yeah, that's, Fuck. No. Yeah, where I'm going to be is like boondocks of Florida. Oh, well, that's cool then. Like swamp people shit. Yeah, like the articles. Yeah, like the articles you see, like, you know, Florida man does this. Like that's where oh, I'm yeah. going to be. <laughs> okay. You're going to be you're gonna be Florida man, dude. <laughs> that's it. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That'd be cool. But I do really appreciate you both coming on and making this happen. We're at almost three hours now. So maybe we'll start thinking about cutting her. Cutner here, but I do want to ask if you guys have any like parting wisdom for everybody. And I mean, this this whole episode's been awesome. I'm glad you could jump on, tell your um side of the stories as well, Taylor. It's been a really good time. I appreciate y'all letting me on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys, anything, anything you want to end with? I don't know. Wow, whatever you want to say. Uh, if, if anybody wants to go fishing, uh, just look up Captain Hook. It's C A P apostrophe N. Uh, Captain Hook Fishing Adventures on Facebook or Google anything like that. And we'll get you on some big stripers or walleye, whatever you want to do. Nice, awesome, Taylor. I'm I'm all good. I just I appreciate being on. Awesome, yeah, man, yeah. Once again, I do appreciate you guys coming on. This has been an absolute blast. I'm glad this whole three way conversation worked out the way it did i was kind of nervous about it at first i'm like oh man we 
none of us are looking at each other. So it's like talking. I was hoping we weren't talking over each other, but you guys did great. So I appreciate it. Yes, sir. We appreciate you. All right. Sounds good. Well, good luck next year and keep me updated on what's going on, guys. Absolutely. Yes, sir. We can do another one. Yes, sir. All right. Take care. Hey, maybe you'll come to Georgia and bear hunt. Hey, I'm not mad. I wouldn't be mad about that. I'll come down and fucking bear hunt or pig hunt. That'd be a good time. Uh, I can get you both of those as many as you want. (laughs) Nice. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on again. All right. So. Thanks, bud. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Take care.